If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Anniversary, everybody. Good morning this morning. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Phil. Thank you. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. Happy anniversary to you. Normally, do anniversaries and things like that, you know. It's an anniversary every day. Of something. Don't you agree? I agree. Well, today's anniversary is the anniversary of the uh, GOP baseball shooting. Know that that's well. Now you do know that, now well and now aware. you must. Now you must say, well, not happy anniversary, but um, this would be sad anniversary day. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the anniversary of the time I realized that they actually did baseball practices and things like that. 
uh, and they're having the game tonight at, at Nationals Park. That's where the, that's where the game is happening. The congressional baseball game is happening. Now it's a charity event, and it's a good thing. Is it an, the annual? This is what they're uh, doing it's the annual night. baseball okay. game for the right. for the congressional people, and um, so that, that's 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 what they do. And I didn't know that that's what they did until they were shot practicing for it. In fact, I went by the field. I was up there for the for a wedding, and I just happened to be staying at a hotel up there near Nationals Park because that whole area up there is pr- fairly interesting. It it is a nice developed. Uh, it used to be kind of like a ghetto-y type of area of D.C., and they really developed it nicely. It's right around the ballpark, and you know now there are restaurants and lofts and. You know, all kinds of groovy things up there. But when I was driving up there, I went by. We just, well, I didn't drive up there, but we just happened to drive by this, the, the place where they practice. And it reminded me of what they, when they, that they played baseball. And then when the shooting happened, I think even on the morning of the shooting, I felt like I was not being appropriately. Appropriately concerned enough about the shooting, which of course was ter- terrible, because it's the anniversary also of the realization that the left wing are violent, nasty people, and are no comparison to the right wing. And of course, we also have the Antifa guys now, uh, the the the, uh, the Antifa Five or whatever it is. These guys who basically attacked Trump supporters outside of rallies and that kind of thing. And it was just another example of a long line of violence at the hands of the left, which uh, now has taken on a new kind of brand uh, the left wing has. And they are basically, a lot of them, uh, violent thugs. They are people who are quashing free speech. They are people who think nothing of threatening and talking about violence towards politicians and others. And they talk about, uh, for instance, you have the Kathy Griffins of the world with the beheading and that kind of thing. I, I defended them from the standpoint of free speech, so I get that. But still, it's it's a, it's kind of a violent tone. The baseball thing, is, I, I like. I heard this morning, like uh, somebody from Fox, and I think it was Steve Ducey who was interviewing a congressman, and it was weird because they were talking about the shooting. And about the trauma and about all that kind of thing. And I was thinking to myself, first of all, what are you doing playing baseball, first of all? Uh, And when it happened, and of course, Steve Scalise, I interviewed him a while back when he was in for Ann Wagner. He's a good guy. But when they were shot playing baseball, I was concerned about them being shot playing baseball, but I was concerned about them playing baseball because they were like, oh, yeah, no, we, I said, well, you guys are, you guys, uh, you guys practice and stuff like that, and, oh, yeah, every, every morning we practice and go out there and play baseball, I'm like going, oh, oh, yeah, no, it's a big deal, we have a, we have a team, and we're, we have the, uh, we have the game, Legit uniforms. You know, like, uniforms. Oh, this yeah. is, you know, and, and this is kind of like our field of dreams. Those of us who have always like Jeff Flakes out there with his pop collar. 
Oh yeah. We 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 really this is what we love to do when we're uh you know, we've always had a dream of playing baseball and being in uniforms and being like legit baseball players and going, what are you doing playing baseball? Like, why are you playing baseball? Oh, it's a charity event. I go, well, couldn't you guys just write checks to the charity and bypass the game so we don't go and have to watch a bunch of old white dudes playing Field of Dreams stuff and practicing and everything else. I mean, do, do, why don't you just, I just you, surely you have some way of just simply writing a check and sparing us your um, little boy fantasies and just get to work. Maybe you'd work. I remember that interview that you did. I remember listening to that, and and I, we were all kind of like, "Wow, you guys really take this really seriously, and it's a big deal." And he he made comments about how it's camaraderie between everybody it gets them out there, gets them you know loose. Okay, so, right. Yeah, and we were all like, "Wow, this is really a big deal, you guys. This is right. like something they talk about, think about while they're in DC, and it's let's yeah. do the game." And yeah, See, like why why do you need camaraderie? What is it? Is it enough? That you're all members of the House of Representatives. I mean, that's a team. Do we have to? Do we have to like have you do team building exercises to to get you to do this? <laughs> and, and 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 if you worked, and I don't mean to be cynical, but this bothers me because it it doesn't make sense. And Americans who are, it makes more sense now. Because Americans, I think, have a better economy and we have seen the economic developments that we've seen and everybody seems to be doing better these days. And lawmakers have worked hard to make that happen. And so to some degree, it's a little more legit, you know, okay, yeah, play your baseball. You guys have done some work. But at the time this was happening, we hadn't had tax reform. We hadn't had anything else. And it was kind of like, um, I don't really want to hear how you play baseball. Yeah. I really don't care about your baseball game and all that kind of thing. And so, yes, this happened a year ago. And I was, I was more, I was, I was surprised about the shooting, but I was more surprised about the fact that they actually played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, uh, cause the shooting happened and I was like, oh my gosh, they were shot. During a congressional baseball practice and going, um, wait, double back on that one. Uh, <laughs> Everyone was, was doing a, that, right? It was a congressional, ba- and, and, and all the media was, of course, like, oh, yeah, sure. It's, this happens all the time. We've this, known this, about the, it. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. It's a big thing. I'm like, going, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no, every year it's a big game, and they practice. All the time for it, yeah. Every morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, going, they do? Oh, yeah, Sure. <laughs> Uh, and the security's out there for them, and they're all, I'm not going, oh, okay. And then what happens also is they, this morning, the guy was being interviewed, and he was, he act, I mean, I, I, I listen, again, I have not been involved in a shooting, so I understand that it's traumatic, but I'm thinking of all these people in the military or all these people who, live every day in violent situations. And 
I don't I I guess I just don't want to hear from a lawmaker about how every time a car backfires it's traumatic for him. I I I, I just I'm sorry. I just don't. I I I know all these guys who have PTSD and who have military injuries and who have brothers and sisters who have military injuries and who live in utter peril every day with PTSD and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I just don't want to hear about your problems. Your year later, uh, year I, later I, update. Of, yeah, you know, I just... Right, nightmares. I, I, it just, I, there's something that doesn't really necessarily like... Uh, I, I, I have sympathy. I have empathy. I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I'm callous about this whole thing, but I, I just my bucket is full for that kind of thing, and I don't really like you guys a whole lot anyway. So I don't really want to hear about how traumatic your lives have been, because what's crazy is the. The, the next question put forth to this guy by Steve Ducey when he was interviewing him, and I don't have the tape for you, I'm sorry, because it just happened, basically, this earlier this morning, was, yeah, and then it wasn't long after that where your train headed to Greenbrier had an accident, and that was harmful, too. Yeah, the train that was stuffed with GOP people going to the Greenbrier Hotel with their families for a retreat. Now, if you've never been to the Greenbrier Hotel, and I have because I did a whole story about the bunker underneath it, which was designed by Eisenhower and his team to be a backup place for Congress to have sessions in the event of some nuclear war. During the Cold War, these guys were freaks. They came up with every bunker you could possibly imagine. And this one was underneath the Greenbrier Hotel, which is a hugely luxury hotel right in the middle of nowhere. But a highway goes right by it. An interstate, by design, goes right by the place. And you can get there, but but you have to wear a jacket at all times in the lobby. There's no jeans allowed. It's it's the most hoity-toity luxury place you're going to find anywhere in the land is the Greenbrier Hotel. So I'm listening to this interview being done with a with a GOP guy. First of all, who's talking about being shot or at while playing baseball to be followed up by yet another trauma of being on a in, involved in a train accident on the way to the Greenbrier Hotel I'm thinking to myself this there's something not right about this a, a, and again ha- having empathy for people involved in these kinds of things and knowing that there were people killed in a train accident, uh, I just, again, I'm thinking, when the train accident happened, I was thinking, oh, they go, oh, yeah, every year they go down with all their families. They go down to the Green Bar. Yeah, every year. We're going, oh, who pays for that? Well, it's, ta- you know, it's it's the, geo- you know, it's, 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 a, it's their job, you know. It's part of their job. But 
okay. And they go to the Green Brady and the Brady kids. Uh, okay. Oh, they're bringing gotcha. the kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the GOP people and their families who were injured. And so I'm thinking to myself, boy, this is kind of uh, this is a life, man. And, and and we're supposed to worry about these individuals and their safety while they're engaging in activities that really have nothing to do with the people's work. And yet we have to endure stories of trauma after trauma where they haplessly are involved in shootings and crashes and things like that while they're doing the people's work. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, all right, that's fine. I, but it, I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people under these circumstances. I just really don't. And then, then the, the, I think the Republicans handled it pretty well when this happened because they, they didn't make it all about themselves at the time because there were, I think, two people killed in this train deal. Right. One died right on the spot and the other died. And so that was a pretty traumatic thing. But nonetheless, it was really kind of uh, crazy this morning to hear the 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 woe is us and the anniversary of the shooting, and then then it didn't get any better from then on for GOP people as a train taking them to the Greenbrier Hotel for a weekend of resorting ran into somebody. It's like okay, uh, just trying to figure all this out. Thank you very much, and I, I do believe that the focus ought to be on the fact that the media bill had this been a person who shot up had this been like okay let's put it this way the news media's fantasy white nationalist okay had it been one of these guys and he shot up a bunch of democrats playing baseball we'd still be hearing about it pretty much every single day right the one week anniversary every, yes. every week yes mm-hmm. Every day we'd hear about, I mean, you'd never hear the end of that story. But instead, this middle-aged, left-wing kook from Belleville from, yeah. who uh, shoots up this thing, it's like, oh, what an aberration that was. He, he, there's no way, he, this is just so odd. It's like, no I watched the I watched the entirety of the campaign. I watched people being beaten. I watched Americans being beaten by left wingers as they waited to go to a rally for an American candidate. I watched that happen. I I watched us looking like we were some kind of third world country where people waiting in line to vote are hacked to death with machetes by a bunch of banana republic crazies. And yet that was happening right here in the United States. I mean, that happened here in the United States. And yet you would think if you listen to the news media that it's the left or the Democrats or the media that are the consistent victims in this country when I'll never forget how people who were Trump supporters and others really felt a sense of danger. There were people who wouldn't even go to some 
rallies because they were afraid of violence. Antifa was out there and, and, and other folks were out there and, and they were afraid of being beaten. And we, and we had Republican candidates who, who brushed it aside too. Ted Cruz and John Kasich were two of them in Chicago after they were, after they were people beaten in, in, at a rally in Chicago and President Trump had to cancel the rally. And Ted Cruz and John Kasich both blamed it on Trump. I mean, it was really, really bad. I mean, and, and, and I don't know what you guys remember San Jose and, and all these other events. And believe me, if, if this were if this were a situation where it was the shoe was on the other foot and somehow some white Republicans were out there beating people up while they're going to a rally, we'd have, you know, if, if you went to see, we'd have, we'd have remembering San Jose, like every anniversary. And people would go and put their teddy bears up against a fence or something, you know. Remembering San Jose, it was the time, such a horrible time for, the le- for Democrats that they were attacked by nationalist white Trump supporters. And that's what it would be. We'd hear it constantly. Or, or how about, how about when, when I was up there for President Trump's inauguration and I took my son up there, it wasn't safe to be in Washington, D.C. in some parts of it because of the, the violent left-wingers who were running around out there, the Antifa people who were who were breaking windows and turning over cars and burning cars and burning police cars and everything else. Let me ask you something. Is there one of these people in prison right now? One. They arrested maybe 200 of them. Is there is there one Antifa person who caused violence anywhere? In this country, during the election and in the aftermath of it, is there one who has paid a, even a remote price for their violence? One. Have we heard of one? I don't think so. I think we have five of them who are on trial right now for something. But have, have you heard about anybody actually facing any kind of punishment whatsoever for what they did to people, beating them, whatever, egging them, spitting on them, beating them with sticks. And so if we're going to have an anniversary commemoration at all today with the guys who were shot up playing baseball, we should use it as a springboard to commemorate just how violent and disgusting some people on the left are. People on the left supported by left-wing politicians, left-wing media stars, and everything else. So maybe that's the anniversary we ought to be, we ought to be commemorating instead of backtracking and moping about how 
our congressmen were just playing an innocent baseball game when they were attacked. Uh, it 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 was a horrible event, but not for the reasons that people are talking about it today. It was a horrible event because yet it was it was yet another example of violence at the hands of left wingers that basically has been pushed under the rug and never talked about again. That's what that's about. And they got away with it. If you could, if you looked at this from any other perspective, it would it would look like we were in some kind of foreign country. It would it would it would be as if we were in because you see videos of it all the time where people are afraid to go and vote, do this kind of thing. There are people going to Trump rallies who were beaten here in St. Louis. They were attacked. And it turns out, actually, that when, when O'Keefe did all the, the investigations, these people were p- part of an organized unit. They were paid for by you know, the Soros groups and these Democrat groups. I mean, this this pure and simple fascism. There were, there were ads in papers yeah. to, to recruit these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw some of those. Yep. And, then, and then there's the effort constantly to get people in the media who are conservatives off the air all the time, and they go after them, and they mob them, and, and, and you have these weak corporations who allow it to all happen. I've... I've been through it. Other people have been through it. But man, the, the level of fascism that our media and this country tolerates is unbelievable. I mean, we were, and, and the only thing, the only reason that we're not, we were not involved in a full-blown civil war is because we're conservatives and we work. Because otherwise, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take up arms against my fellow citizen in a, in a second flat when you start to beat up people at rallies. I'm more than happy to engage in a civil war at that point. So these people, these people on the left are lucky that we didn't start to take action ourselves against them. Because, you know, in, in any other country, any other place, it would be intolerable to have individuals who are physically attacking people waiting to go see a politician at a rally. It would not be tolerated. In any normal civil society, it wouldn't be put up with. And, and, and yet we put up with it because, I, because we are civil, but we put up with a lot of things in this country. Where on earth... Could you possibly get away with burning a business in a protest? Where but here could you possibly get away with that, where you have a bunch of people who just are allowed to go and burn businesses down because they're angry about something? Yeah, start start a police car on fire in Moscow. See how that goes down for you. You know, I mean, uh, I can imagine another place where you could burn police cars. That's that's one thing that I've yeah. always been shocked is watching police cars burn. It just doesn't. Yeah. That to me seems like um, <laughs> not tolerable in any in any civil society that we would allow people to set our police cars on fire. 
uh, buildings and damage and glass. I kind of get the riot vibe of that and that sort of, but jumping up and down on police cars and then setting them on fire while we all stand around. Don't understand that. That's I don't know, freedom. man. Is that freedom? Hey, no. listen, if, 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 if it were my business that I created and I built and I had people out there burning my stuff down, I'd be, I'd be sniper rifling them. There were people in Ferguson that were standing out with the guns. The out. Oath Keepers were out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who, were, who were otherwise described as, oh, you know, those are bad people. They're, right. they're, they're, no. Thank goodness they were out there. We need more of that kind of thing. Yep. Yet in U City after the Stockley verdict... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had these guys who their, their restaurants were being destroyed, and they were and they were still crapping on the police. <laughs> I remember that. Who's that idiot from Pie or whatever mm-hmm. that place yep. is? Pie. That's yep. That's the one. <laughs> he sat there. What, what a what a pussy. Oh yeah. He sat out there and watched his place get marauded. And and still managed to try to say, well, you know, it is our fault. It's right. the play. It's like you got to be kidding me. Who would buy a pizza from that pussy? <laughs> yeah, like uh, a uh, Obama. Crust Obama will buy a pizza from him. I pizza know. with pussy on it. Yep. I mean, I mean, but seriously. I mean, uh, yeah, right. That was that was the that was the pie. How could you? What? Where are we here? You know. And and the and thank goodness we had people. Uh, we also, if we want to do an anniversary today of this softball, this it wasn't softball, it was baseball. <laughs> the baseball game, we commemorated on the basis of the left being just scum when it comes to their violent tendencies, and how great guns are. Because had there not been people with guns at the baseball game, Scalise's. Detail, right? Only, right? only his detail. Right, right. Because I guess he was the majority whip or something like that. So he had, a, yep. So he had special detail. But had had he had had not had somebody there with guns, mm-hmm. they someone would, would, would be dead. Mm-hmm. So they if were, we're gonna have an anniversary, I don't want to hear about how tra- traumatized these guys are. Because I know people who are traumatized, and they're in, they, they've been in Afghanistan and Iraq. So yeah. I don't need to hear about your PTSD. I don't want to hear about your baseball game anymore, which we're going to hear about all day today because it's tonight. And now apparently they're demanding that Trump be there at the baseball game. Trump's like, I just got back from North Korea, dude. <laughs> I mean, I just met with Kim Jong-un. I, I just unified the I got to watch Peninsula. a bunch of yeah. pansies playing right. baseball. <laughs> You know, living there, their, uh, you know, yep, yep, their field of dreams. I got to sit here and watch you guys play baseball, <laughs> throwing that fifty-two mile per hour fastball <laughs> yeah. straight down. I mean, come on, right. mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it's Flag Day, by the way. Yeah, June fourteenth, Flag Day. That's right. So we'll have to commemorate that. But yeah, so so they want Trump to be there, and and now now instead of hearing about really and and the reality of how horrible the left is, we got to hear about the Trump cult. Like we're we're all that 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 we're the worst per- people in the world because we support a president we elected, and, and and now the whole thing is now it's a Trump cult, and, and we're hearing it from from our own people. Bob Corker, you know, that wakes up every day in a hat on basis, just making stuff up as they go along uh, with no coherency to it. 
um, um, I think us having to weigh in on that would actually cause them to have to uh, think about what they're doing versus, well, I'm upset with X today, so I'll do this. Look, yeah, so, so, th- so Bob Corker is out there, and he made the big news complaining about how nobody wants to double-cross President we're Trump. In a, we're in a strange place. I mean, it's almost, uh, uh, you know, been a, it's becoming a cultish thing, isn't it? Um, because people don't agree with Bob Corker, we're a member of a cult. And Corker has his Corker Amendment, that is, regarding the tariffs and all that kind of thing. And because we don't agree with Bob Corker and his attempts to roll back President Trump's attempts to right the ship when it comes to trade, we're all members of a big old cult. And so what does the left-wing news media do at that point? They take Bob Corker's comments and just talk about them all day long. MSNBC, CBS, NBC, they all used Bob Corker as their springboard to how horrible it is that we dare support the president. Now, keep in mind, by the way, there are lots of people who have not supported the president on policy and have been just fine, thank you very much. Rand Paul is an example. Lindsey Graham is an example. The president has withstood and tolerated plenty of people who disagreed with him on policy. It's when you start getting personal and like Bob Corker is right now and others, when you start getting personal and going after Trump supporters or getting personal and going after Trump himself, then he unleashes on you. That's the only time these other guys, Rand Paul and like Rand Paul and Lindsey Graham have liberally been critics of President Trump and have survived it. It's all on policy. President Trump fully understands that and has never had an issue with somebody disagreeing with him on policy. Mm-hmm. It's when you start to get into the other crap, the dictator, he's a this, he's a that, that he'll ultimately come after you and dismantle you. That's why Flake didn't survive. That's why Ben Sass won't survive. That's, that's what happens. And that's why, why McCain, to a certain degree, the only reason, that, the only thing that, that actually saved McCain is the fact that he's, you know, on his deathbed. He's not really, people don't want to mess with him. But still, you know, those, those kind of people have had problems because they've had personal issues with President Trump. Bob Corker has a personal issue with President Trump. Is he sponsoring a bill that's dying or something? Yeah, is Corker that... Amendment. Cor- the Corker okay, Amendment. I yeah. wasn't aware. Is it, so he's referring to the people in the House as the cult or the people that they represent? Or who is he? Who's well, he, he's, he's referring to anybody who doesn't want to, who doesn't support him His, That's yeah. he, as, as a cult. So as I pointed out, Corker is complaining because he has the Corker Amendment. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's to try to fight the tariffs that President Trump is submitting uh, and and he's angry about the fact that that he's not getting support from people in the House or the Senate, and and he's a senator, and so he's complaining about that because nobody wants to cross President Trump. But plenty of people have voted against President Trump's policies and not had an issue with it. But but the cult thing, he's talking about everybody. He's talking about, and and the reality is, even when people go to the voting booth and turn out people like Mark Sanford, suddenly that's somehow us being mean, (laughs) us being a cult because we voted against a guy who doesn't support the president. How is that a problem? How is that a cult? 
how is that dangerous or how isn't that what our electoral politics are all about? We support the president of the United States. If there are people who don't support him, we're going to run you out. How is that in any way, shape, or form a problem? It's only a problem because it's Republicans and conservatives doing it. it happens all the time. And, and again, the, the whole cult thing is put, up, put forth mostly by the never-Trumper crowd, mostly by the people who, are, who hate the fact that people support somebody who they didn't support. I mean, that's just, that's what it's, it's just really very simple, I think. I think it is. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good place for any party to, to end up with a cult-like situation as it and, and my, my, my thing right now, I was thinking about this yesterday with the party, is they're saying that the party is losing its way. Why don't you make your own party? Because it's, it's, not, it's not Bob Corker's party anymore. It's President Trump's party. That's, it's, it's not Mark Sanford's party anymore. And grab your balls and go make your own party if you don't like the party. Because it's not yours anymore. So make make your own, and and the only reason that the Republican Party hasn't gone the way of the Tories is because of President Trump. He's he's keeping the Republican Party alive. Because believe me, one more presidential election where Republicans lost would have been the end. It would have been the end. It would have, we would have all basically checked out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there, there were a lot of people in my realm of work. And, oh, by the way, Ben Murphy's here. We're going to talk a little bit about some local politics because Ben Murphy with America First Missouri, there's something going on in Chesterfield that's not right. And sometimes it's important to deal with uh, the swamp everywhere, and there's a swamp apparently in Chesterfield that Ben Murphy has exposed. We're going to have him in after the national anthem. But the the fact of the matter is, ultimately, the, the party is going to change. And President Trump saved the Republican Party. We were not going to be able to tolerate a third White House loss. We had, of course, McCain. Then we had Romney. And then we were going to have Jeb Bush. Parties don't, there's no way the party was going to survive uh, uh, that, tri- that losing trifecta at this point. So President Trump should be credited with saving the Republican Party for what it is, including more people in the Republican Party. And keep in mind, the only reason the Republican Party survived is because there were a lot of people who weren't Republicans joining it. Because if we had to survive on our own with the kinds of pansy pansies that we've been putting up with for this long, we would never have survived. We would never have survived without the, the working class conservative Democrats, for instance, in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania who came forth and voted Republican. We wouldn't have survived it with the black population where President Trump did better with blacks than Romney did, better with Hispanics than Romney did. We wouldn't have survived without them. And in spite of the fact that President Trump is being accused of being, you know, an authoritarian and a crazy or whatever, he saved the party, expanded the party, made the tent bigger, and the only people that really don't like it are the people who were the ones who were didn't want to expand it, didn't want to make it bigger. 
We're concerned about black unemployment rates. We're concerned about crime. They were too busy invading other countries and and squawking about abortion all all day long. And gays. And 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 and, and that's about it. But the, but that party wasn't going to survive without President Trump. So so Corker and all these other people at the National Review and all these guys ought to be thanking their lucky stars for President Trump who saved the party, who, with a party that really didn't deserve to be saved, to tell you the truth, because it wasn't winning. It, it wasn't performing. It, it, even when it was the majority, I mean, look what happened even when, when, the, the, when President Trump became president, what happened when they had to replace and repeal Obamacare? They had no plan. They had no plan. And the reason they didn't have a plan is because they planned on Hillary being president and they would just go back to their campaigns and raise money with a Hillary uh, dressed as a witch brochure. And that's how they were going to do it. They had big plans. Unfortunately, their plans didn't include you at all. They included them and these are politicians, and then your conservative media, the Glenn Becks of the world, and the other people out there that at, at the National Review and beyond, they had other plans too. Ben Sass, Jeff Flakes, Jonah Goldberg. Jonah Goldberg. Mm. They, uh, they were writing, Megyn Kelly, they were writing books that they planned to sell when Hillary became president. These were books telling you about how we need a new map for America. And Ben Sass talking about, you know, his whole book about how uh, we can't even have Christmas trees at city halls anymore. It's like that was his whole big thing. Dana Lash with her, you know, gun takeaway. They They were all planning and plotting to make money off of your continued fear and defeat which is why they oppose President Trump so much. Oh, Glenn Beck has a book? Oh, okay. I thought so. I knew he was right. I figured he was writing a damn book during this whole thing. Because they were, they were, they, Hillary had to win for them to be able to keep thriving off of their sky-is-falling book tour that they were planning on going on. Because when you have success, it's the worst possible thing when your industry is writing books that are designed to scare the crap out of you and, and, or doing media appearances or whatever. And, and you're taken out of the ballgame then. And, and politicians are the same way. How are they possibly going to raise money now without Hillary around? I remember the calculations when I was at the dinosaur radio show station and there were people who were more than happy to promote these regular old Republicans and, and acquiesce to the idea that Hillary was going to be president because they figured that talk radio would be, would thrive much better with a Hillary as president than a, than a Republican as president. And so they thought that 
that having Hillary as president would automatically give them relevance because there's something to fight about every every morning, every every time. And I knew at that point, though, when, because I supported President Trump, I wasn't doing calculations. There was a chance that President Trump would become president and then conservatives would just simply not have anything to talk about or say and wouldn't want to listen to the show anymore because the job was done and that was it. Uh, but but I didn't I didn't make those calculations. I knew what was better for the country and better for me as a, as an American. And so I wasn't making these kind of calculations that that other people were making. But there were people out there who absolutely made a calculation, a determination that Hillary would be better for business. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. And uh, MSNBC and the, all the left wing media are benefiting the same conversely, I think, off Trump yeah, being president. It's keeping them in business. I mean, if Hillary had won, I don't know that Matt Isle and all those shows would have had a whole lot to talk about. No. Because what's the, what's the big deal? Unless they became kind of the opposition within the opposition. But there, but there, were, but there were people who really did make these calculations that, that Hillary – and there were politicians who felt that Hillary as president just makes them – all the more relevant. I'm talking about GOP politicians, mm-hmm. and they could run on it all day long. They could fundraise on it all day long. Yep. And, you know, there were, there were, if you just look at, for instance, what gun manufacturers were doing, which is why you have a lot of gun stores who are suffering now, not, not gun stores necessarily, but gun manufacturers who have crates of guns sitting on their at their warehouses right now that are going unpurchased because they all overproduced their guns. They all, they all man, kept, they were manufacturing gun after gun after gun in anticipation of Hillary Clinton's victory. And then when Trump wins and there's really, there's not as much of a, of a gun grabby type of person in the white house and in leadership positions, uh, people aren't buying guns at the level they used to buy. And now they, they but, but all I'm saying is there are a lot of people out there who had a lot of reasons why they wanted Hillary Clinton to be president and a lot of reasons to oppose President Trump. And they had nothing to do with President Trump's policies or anything like that. It had everything to do with the fact that somewhere along the line, their ox was going to be gored in some way, shape or form. It's how it's been played time and time again. Yeah. That's why when President Obama was around, all the guns sold. And so many guns are now out there because people were afraid that he was going to clamp down. And so the, I don't like the vibe that, that people calculate these kind of things. It feels like the people that are listening are just sheeple and we're predictable. And if we do this, they're going to do this. And But I know what you mean about people relaxing. Um, and the relaxing isn't good for the numbers when people get... Yeah, comfortable and feel like we're winning, and which a lot of Republicans, Trump Republicans, do feel that we are winning every day and all the time. So we're kind of just going about our lives and not shopping for guns online and you know all that stuff. We feel more relaxed, and that's probably bad for yeah, bad, bad for numbers. <laughs> but 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 now you know though that you are looked upon as, as sheeple by a lot of people. I mean, you you uh, you know, President Trump represented the working class person who suddenly was able to see that they had some kind of stake in the game of government. 
Because how many times did you like look at Mitt Romney, even as a Republican, going, I don't know, man. I don't see this guy winning at all. I mean, he doesn't even lift his feet when he walks. How is he going to become president of the United States? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I wanted him to win. Me too. <laughs> well, I didn't think he was going to. <laughs> I defended him like crazy. I think he's a great businessman. Mm-hmm. I think Bain Capital was awesome. Yep. And the binder's full of women. Come on, that, that was a bad deal. But you just looked at him and you're like, dude, golly. The second debate, you just that's when have... I was done. I was like, we're, yeah. done. we're toast. It's over. And McCain wasn't even trying. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, again, Sarah Palin, when, when, it was like, thank goodness for Sarah Palin. Because he wasn't even trying. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he became the nominee. It's, it, it's still confounding to me. I think me. he still got more votes than, than Romney. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, so that today is that. So you're going to hear a lot about the whole GOP. It was a long way to go for all that, but it was. You're going to hear about the GOP thing, and then you're going to hear about it. now. Now the new, the new topic du jour is is that how cultish we all are, and, and it's funny how it comes after a major victory internationally. Now suddenly, that their big complaint is that we just love our president. I mean that that's that's the big thing now is it you know because we're called and and you know did the president say when he said there's no longer a nuclear f- threat is that true or not true I don't know we'll have to see but he just got back from there I'll 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 trust him over Joe Scarborough any day <laughs> or Bob Corker or whoever else it is is telling me I'm wrong and a cult member. You know I don't like I mean? a sitting senator referring to us as cult members when we've just uh, seen the the end of a re- or potentially the end of a, the most cult-like regime in the world yeah. in North Korea. That's a cult. That's the, well, way, it, it, that's and, the way it works. And the media went crazy when President Trump declared uh, fake news as uh, our biggest enemy because they were downplaying the North Korean result. And I'm thinking to myself yesterday, I go, but you were downplaying it, weren't you? And I go, hey, they're accusing us of downplaying the, the thing. The, what happened over there? I'm not going, but you were, right? Yeah, but, you know. But they're accusing us of it. Wait, didn't, didn't, didn't you just come off the air saying that President Trump is rubbing shoulders with a despotic leader? And How could our flags be on the same stage? Say, touching, yeah, we're yeah. driving you crazy. I mean, weren't, weren't you? Well, you know, because you know that's the problem with the news media is what? Why don't you just fess up to what you are and be done with it? Why don't you go ahead and own it? You know, why, why don't you go ahead and, and admit that you you, you were downplaying what's going on? You weren't you weren't upplaying it. You know, we know that, right? Well, if it had been President Obama, it would have been a five day parade. You know, in New oh, York, he, he would have I mean, been. He would. They, they would have. They would have uh, greeted his airplane like he just won the World Series. Yep. They'd have been out there. Oh. Oh. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, it would have been crazy, the, re- yeah. the result of this. They kind of did it with Cuba a little bit whenever he, when Obama met with uh, Castro. They, they kind of wanted to go down that, that road with making him look like a world peace. Uh, yeah. You know. And now, now, keep in mind, I was among those individuals because a lot of conservatives are like going, let's not forget that Kim Jong-un kills his own people. It's like, oh, come on. How many times have we 
hooked up with dictators who were terrible people. China, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, on down the line, we've, we've rubbed shoulders with horrible dictators everywhere. It's, it's happened constantly. And, but, but I will tell you, I supported the president when he normalized relations with Cuba. I, mm-hmm. I supported that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least I'm consistent in terms of overlooking potential problems uh, with with individuals and dictators and and in Cuba particularly, there's still some problems there. Uh, but you have to try. You can't you can't win if you don't play, so to speak. All right. So Ben Murphy's going to be in here a little bit. Genevieve Wood's going to be joining us in just about a half hour as well. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Can you see? What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets regular the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star spangled Banner yet wait For the land of the free And the home of the Chance of fire. 
from the Discovery Design Studios here at beautiful, well, the beautiful hill, we'll call it that, at the Gaslight Studios. And got a lot going on. About a half hour from now, we're going to have Genevieve Wood with us. And uh, by the way, speaking of Discovery Design, Rick Pogue just uh, texted me. And, and again, it's, it's the some Republicans are going to have to just simply get over the fact that this isn't this isn't their party anymore. And if you don't like it, then then do something else. But it's not your party anymore. It's the party of President Trump. And if whether or not you think it's conservative enough for this, if it's not good enough for you, go somewhere else. But it's, but it's not our job to to give you back your losing edge. <laughs> you know, let's go back to the days when we lost everything. Shit, a bunch of white dudes talking about abortion all the time. Oh, well, those were the days. You know, those were the days when, uh, you know, we, we, we let us, ourselves just get overrun by every Democrat who came along. And that, that's the way we've lived for a long time. And, and with no prosperity, nothing. You guys took over Congress in 2010. What did we get from that? We got we got uh, more Obamacare. I mean, hell, even when President Trump was elected, you're still funding Planned Parenthood. I mean, come on. So yeah, as, as Rick Pogue pointed out over there at Arrowhead and Discovery Design, I think you know. Remember the Whigs? They went away, and the Republican Party can too. Or or formulate something else. Whatever you want to do. Obviously, there are perils to that because then you have. Uh, Maybe a split vote, but uh, 
Yeah. Well, uh, if you don't have guys like Rick Pogue, you're doing it wrong in, in, in politics today, I think. Those are the guys. That, that's a perfect example of an American business owner that should be on the same page with uh, the politicians in the state and in the, in the I think, in the D.C. He's a good, great example of somebody that if, if you're not if you're not if he's not with you right now, you're you're probably on the wrong team. Yeah. I mean, and so whatever Bob Corker says or Ben Shapiro, it's like, come on. Yep. Boo-hoo. Good example. Go make your go 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 back and make it the National Review Party. There <laughs> wow. you go. See, you know, see, see how far idea. you get along there with your with the with the National Review Party and, mm-hmm. and see how long that sits. Elect Bill Crystal as your president. <laughs> Let's do a cruise. Yeah. <clears throat> Did um Did Charles Krauthammer die, or is he... He's about a week away, probably. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. Did you read that letter that he wrote? Yeah, man. Wow, man. Yeah, wow. That's that's a sad state of affairs. Here's another guy who you need to have on your team. His name is Ben Murphy, America First Missouri. How you doing, buddy? Never better, Jamie. Absolutely never better. And I say that all day long, every time somebody asks, and you know why I'm never better? Why are you never better? Because Trump's the president, and that's what we work so hard for. And I believe that 100%. We're never going back. It's Trump's party. It's Trump's GOP. And I know the Republicans or establishment are having a really hard time with that. But get used to it, because that's the way it is. You know, Ben Murphy, I've known for a long time. And the first time I met you was when you were repping. And this guy was the... Howard Phillips. Oh, God. Howard Phillips. Wasn't that great? And I remember I did a story with him. You sent it to me. I played I, it on yeah. the air. Uh, and and it, Howard Phillips was running for president. And I was at Channel 4 at the time. And he was one of these independent, you know, but he was a conservative, obviously. Oh, a, 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 a strict constitutionalist, yes. as a matter of fact. Yes. And, and this was, what, what, what year was okay. this, though? This would have been 96. And 96. I'm glad you bring this up because. You know, I've, I've heard my name mentioned a few times on here in conjunction with America First Missouri and yeah. who's Ben Murphy. You know, I've been absent from politics for at least a decade, closer to 15 years. But back in 96, I cut my teeth on the Buchanan campaign. Yeah. We ran that campaign, Jamie. Pat Buchanan was so ahead of his time as a populist. Oh, that was our last no populist doubt. uprising, oh, man. Oh, I know, man. I mean, and it was uh, had the time of my life as a yeah. young man, or certainly younger. I just turned 60 last October. So we go back uh, 96, do the math. You know, it's over 20 years ago. It was funny because people thought, you know, even then, for some reason, I was like kind of, kind of uh, you know, liberal because I was, I was Channel 4 or whatever. But, right. uh, but I, I was the only one that even covered Howard Phillips, you know, and I knew Buchanan because Buchanan was a friend of my dad's. Okay. You know, those guys got a snoutful together you, on a frequent basis. You were the only one that gave us a time of day. And, and the connection there is, and back then... You know, I worked with um, John Bruner's father, Jack Bruner, who previously worked <laughs> in the Goldwater campaign. Oh, right. You know, we were running the Birch Society back in these days. Yeah. And the rise of the militia movement. Um, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, that's how I got to know Phyllis back in the day, uh, running the Buchanan campaign. And Pat, uh, we sent more delegates from Missouri to the Republican National Convention that you drove out to. We sent more delegates to that convention for Pat than any other state in the country. We mm-hmm. were huge for Pat Buchanan, but we were highly disappointed in Pat because we couldn't convince him 
to pick up and walk away from the Republican Party and mount a third party independent campaign. We were so defeated, we, um, well, we joined, many of us did, joined forces with Howard Phillips. Mm -hmm. We, uh, I work with John Stormer, local guy, Debbie Hopper, who went on to run the uh, Ron Paul campaign. Uh, we formed, uh, through a, rep we got the U.S. Taxpayer Party on the ballot in Missouri and helped them get formed in Missouri. That's the Constitution Party today. And I love these people, but gosh, we were, we were misguided. We should have worked stronger to take over the Republican Party, right. which is what we've done. You kind of have point. now. This is what we've done now. It was just too ahead of its time for us to pull it off. And even if President Trump could not be described in the run-up to the election as a strict constitutionalist, obviously there are elements of, of him that you have to watch because of the, the big government aspect. But he's been more welcoming to the constitutionalists, in my opinion, than the Republican Party of Romney and McCain ever Absolutely. were. Absolutely. No question. As a matter of fact, uh, I had this discussion with Bill Hennessy. Yeah. Now, Bill, I didn't know Bill. As a matter of fact, when I was invited to join the Tea Party movement by John Loudon, Gina Loudon, uh, I got the call. John's an old buddy of mine, worked <clears throat> with him through the state house. Mm -hmm. um, when I got the call to, hey, Ben, we got this thing, we're going to do the Tea Party. You know, we're going to. We're going to go down and have this big rally at the Arch. And uh, I didn't know Bill then, but it was uh, Dana Lash. Didn't know her. Dana yeah. Lash. Um, well, see, keep, yeah. I'm not, not to interrupt you, but Bill, Bill contacted me and Dana because Dana was on the air with me. And okay. I, I had just gotten her in, into radio and had her on the air with me as a, as a, as a semi-regular guest. Dana was actually doing a... Uh, article writing for the Post, Momologues okay. or something. And I, I, I remember meeting her over at Squires and trying to convince her to get into radio. And that's how we got into it. And so I had her as a, a, a semi-regular guest. And then Hennessy got a hold of both of us to run the Tea Party. And then I begged off. because okay, I begged I, off also. Well, the, and the reason <laughs> I begged off is because I, it wasn't because I didn't agree with them. I just was not – I was more – I, I was not a movement person per se. I was on the radio. I was doing conservative radio, and I didn't want to be occupied with having to run a movement, a, a an operation, so to speak. I wasn't. I, I just didn't. I felt like I needed to commit myself to my my job, and so I didn't. So I I told Dana. I said, "You go ahead and, and handle the the Tea Party part," and she needed it more than I did anyway, from a standpoint of her using it as a vehicle to kind of promote herself. And so I was fine. I was fine with that. And and but 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 that was that that was that, that whole genesis there. And Bill sure. was one of those individuals who. Uh, well, I didn't know I didn't know Bill back yeah. then. And as a matter of fact, uh, I'd gotten the call from John Loudon, and I was so defeated politically at this time in my life. I had long checked out, uh, but jo John thought this was something to bring me back in. Certainly, and he believed in the movement, and many of them, and, and they did a great job. When I when I got that call, and I look back at this, I said, John, you know. If you were interested in stealing the government's property and throwing it into the Mississippi, dressed as Indians, I might be interested. <laughs> I said, but if you're going to dip tea bags down there and have a big press conference, I said, good luck to you. I'm just, I'm not in. Subsequent, you know, many years later now, when I'm trying to figure out who's going to run Trump's campaign in Missouri in the fall of 15 and looking around, I had John uh, introduce me to Bill. And I sat down with Bill Hennessy, and we had a discussion. And this is before Bill came over to the Trump side. Right, exactly. 
And, you know, he, he wasn't sure about me. I'm saying, look, man, <laughs> as a conservative, I would side with um, strict constitutionalists. Right. And Trump's not that, but I'm tired of losing for guys. We've got one more shot at this. I said, we, this is a long shot. I said, but I'm going to give it everything I've got to make this happen because I'm tired of losing. And if, if we can just get, if we can get 10% of what he's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, we're on the road to, right. to winning. Right. And, and, and I'm still not tired of winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm, this, yeah, oh. this beats the hell out of losing. Oh, and, <laughs> and the kind of crap that we went through early on in supporting President Trump and, and, and we were uh, always considered to be, oh, I always knew you were this and always knew you were that and always knew you were a liberal, always knew you were, you know, whatever. Oh, and and yeah. I, just, I just, you know, I said, you know, I said, I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, but I, I go by what I believe and what my instincts are. And this is where I'm at. And you know what? If he loses and I don't have a radio show anymore because of that, whatever, and I've lost all, whatever, I'm, I, but I'm not going to put my finger up into the wind and see which way it's going to blow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be what I am and who I am because it can't be anything other Thank than Thank goodness that. you took that approach because Definitely. that's what got us through. That's what got Definitely. us through it. We had, a, we had one voice above all others. It was yours in the Trump movement. Here, here. So that conversation I had with Bill Hennessy, uh, he put me in the forward of his book, Turning on Trump, because I think, you know, I think it was certainly instrumental. Yeah. He acknowledged me as being instrumental in in helping him make the decision to jump on board. And thank goodness he did. And the Tea Party people that I met, what a bunch of great people. Yeah. Who, you know, who were before their time as well. Right, and, right. And Buchanan before that. But it's culminated in this Trump movement that's not just in this country. Jamie, I was in Europe when they voted Brexit. And when I saw what was going on, that's when I was convinced that Trump, I came home knowing 100% that Trump was going to win because this wasn't just about America. This is global. Right. The people are throwing off the chains of the globalists. We've had it. Right. It's either going to be this or we're going to fight, and it's not going to be a Cold War. Well, and the the Tea Party people were treated just like the Trump people are being treated now. And like the Buchanan people before them, absolutely. Which is why it was somewhat disturbing to see some of the Tea Party people so weird about Trump and weird about his supporters because uh, that w- I was like, you guys, come on. You guys know what it's like to be marginalized and, 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 and treated like you're not part of a club. Same thing with the Libertarians and the Ron Paul Party. I right. got that call from Debbie Hopper. What a great gal. And she was with uh, back then Howard Phillips. She was yeah. running his campaign. Went on to run Howard, uh, Rand Paul's campaign or highly involved in it. And she called me and says, you know, Ben, we got this deal, Ron Paul, blah, blah, blah. And I said, let me tell you what they're going to do to Ron Paul. They're going to crucify him. And they did, and they pitched him out with the trash. But look at us today, because those good people stuck with the, with the program. It re-energized me, uh, which leads me up to what's going on in Chesterfield. And I want to push that a little bit. I don't want to run out of time, because that's I, you're really not going to run out of time. I have a clock here, okay. so you're not going to run out of time. So I don't want you to get to Chesterfield just yet because okay, I, I got to deal with Howard Phillips because uh, we had a situation where uh, and Phil you'd like this because we when when Howard Phillips was in it was 1996 and we had a we I was doing this story with Howard Phillips but I was doing a story at the airport about him You're smoking on planes no <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, Howard they could still I, smoke on a plane then we, yeah, but absolutely I walked all the way up to with a camera all the way up to the 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 place where you start walking into the little chute 
where the plane is. I mean, that was right to the gate. That was yeah. prior, you know, that was before nine eleven, and we were like talking. We were like talking to him right at when he was at the giving his ticket to the gate agent, and it was like it was. That's how. And you're looking at this video, thinking, "Wow, man, you know, this is uh, this this was not that long ago necessarily." But it, it seemed like it was because that, we were able to walk right up to the gate and everything else. And that's great. I, uh, you know, when I found that in my archives, I, I knew you'd get a kick out of it because, you know, we looked so young, basically, compared to, you know, it was 20 years ago. But when you said to me, you know, do you really think that Howard Phillips is going to be elected president? And I, I smiled <laughs> and knowing, you know, that we were just making a statement. Yeah, certainly. yeah. And I said, no, probably not, but he should be. And I know you were talking about Pat Buchanan earlier. But uh, Buchanan and my Buchanan was working for the Globe Democrat at the time, and so Buchanan was a, was like a, 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 a columnist or something over yeah, there. Yeah, was columnist. And then there was uh, Bill Fustel, who was an editor over there. And then my dad worked for the uh, St. Louis City Police Department in their community relations department. So, of course, they were all friends because they were all they all knew each other because that's you know. Buchanan in the, in the Globe, and my dad had contact with the media and all that kind of thing. And so he and my dad were really close friends. They'd go over to the East Side and just, you know, it was back in the day when you when you when you, it was a you know a Gaslight Square and oh wow and, and cool. you had and you had <laughs> the bars over the East Side. It was before it was like Strip Club Central. It was more like you know that. And so uh, we. And they they go and and party it up man all the time and and in fact uh, one of the first times ever Ada Sardine was in the presence presence of Pat Buchanan at a house at a house party that my parents had and they'd have the this is really where actually back in the day where you actually did wear lampshades on your head that was where that all came from where people would be like you know it was highball city alcohol that had nothing to do with it oh right? yeah no. and then one time <laughs> Buchanan's leaving my house in U City and he's uh, with his girlfriend Josie. At the time, and uh, and we had these chains that would would gate off the the, the neighborhoods, you know, and uh, he almost took his head off <laughs> driving. He drove. He had one of these. He had a convertible, and he almost he was you know three sheets to the wind, obviously, and he almost decapitated himself with those chains. He went right underneath the chain. It was a legendary story about Pat Buchanan. But he mentions my dad in his book, and Buchanan is a, just a great guy, and I talked to him when he was in town here uh, back then, because uh, I think I'm, I well, met you, you then. You might was at a hotel near the airport. Yeah, that was my rally speech. with yeah. Phyllis. We right. Phyllis out there. You were right. there covering that. Yeah, yeah, and Buchanan is a good, he was a good guy, and as you point out, way ahead of his time. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, family legend, uh, Pat Buchanan, dated my Aunt Sis. Oh, really? Yeah, and I can remember uh, asking Sis. It was during the campaign. I'm like, Sis, I, you know, whatever happened to you and Pat Buchanan? I heard about, you know, you dumped him, I guess, along the line somewhere. What happened there? She said, well, he was more, he was more uh, interested in politics than he was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was pretty much of a, he was a swashbuckler by a lot of standards. Uh, good guy. Uh, and then 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 left when he went off to do speech writing for Nixon. Yeah, went so, off with the Nixon with Nixon. Yeah. All right. So uh, in Chesterfield, there is a swamp of sorts, eh? Well, that's what I told the uh, city council. I said, "You got you got a swamp up here." <laughs> well, so what's going on? Well, we've got um, we've got a mayor out there, Mayor Bob Nation, and you know I don't know Bob really. 
you know, Bob stood up for us on the city-county merger, kind of dug that. Um, and, you know, I'm more concerned with what was going on with the, um, with the presidential election to, to really, you know, get back into local politics. I'm a former police commissioner from Chesterfield, highly involved in politics there in the 90s because I came out of that Buchanan campaign on fire. And Phyllis Schlafly said, Ben, you know, every four years we have a presidential election. And that's fun, and everybody, you know, has a big time, and everybody, you know, does the, you know, their candidate. And, but when that's over, the real work begins, and it begins in local politics. So she advised me to roll my sleeves up and get back there in Chesterfield and get involved because, you know, there's good guys and bad guys running city governments, and you need to be one of the good guys. And so that's what I attempted to do, Jamie. Um, but after a couple of defeats on city council, I mean, when I came out of the Buchanan campaign, I was the bad boy in Republican politics in the St. Louis County. They hated my guts. You know, I pulled off, along with Jack Bruner, the biggest Republican political upset in the history of the county. It's uh, fact. Uh, subsequently, uh, got on the wrong side of the mayor who I helped get elected out there, Nancy Greenwood, uh, went against a tax issue because, you know, we, we didn't need any extra taxes out in Chesterfield. And then sided with the charter forces. We wrote the city charter, which was not voted on uh, in the affirmative by the people because we wrote it probably a little too resident-friendly and people-friendly. Uh, and they came after us on that one. So after a couple of successive losses for council, I was, you know, some people will say we ran you out of politics. Uh, I say I walked away from politics, and somewhere in between is probably the truth. But so, so you know, with that inspiration from Phyllis being defeated, coming back with the Trump movement, uh, I started looking at what's going on out there. And this mayor we have currently, Bob Nation, is on the heels of the administration of John Nation's. You know, some of us think he got elected over name recognition being so close. Uh, Is Bob the the old guy? Bob's the old guy. Bob's the, you know, Bob's been in the news a little bit. Uh, City council censured him. Uh, Apparently he got some city employees, females, in a room, berated him, cursed him out. Uh, And this was in the news um, in the past couple years. Yeah. Uh, And all that went down. But I gave him a pass on that. I figured, hey, you know, some old guy, and he's yelling in the room. You know, it sounds like politics to me. Well, Currently, we have, uh, most recently, we got an, an issue out there where he's going to appoint, uh, based on a recommendation up in Ward 1, he's going to appoint Gene Shenberg, the squirrel guy, if, uh, kind of inside, but uh, Gene, uh, Gene's issue was shooting squirrels out in the backyard and uh, became a, tried to make it a Second Amendment issue and blah, on and on and on. Ended wait, wait, wait. Up in a, he was for it or against it? Uh, he, was, he was shooting the squirrels and they said, oh, you know, you're you know, going to uh, kill people and whatever. But anyway, so... Gene, what was he shooting him with? Well, he's shooting him with his pellet gun. It wasn't like he had a... <laughs> was it a pellet gun? He had a pellet gun. It, it, it's, it culminated in a no-projectile ordinance in Chesterfield. You can't, you can't fire off a slingshot out here, okay? Was somebody getting shot by the pellets? No, but the lady next door apparently said that, you know, she had to run for cover with her grandchildren and was cowering because he's, you know, firing off rounds at squirrels. and It got absurd. But anyway, Gene... Well, at some point when, <laughs> when there are kids around, I wouldn't sh- well, fire it off, but if yeah. they... If they're not, you know, politics. So Gene's going to get appointed by the mayor. Yeah. And here's, here's an email that the mayor sent. Uh, the mayor sends an email to council, and it says, and I'm quoting, if we can get this done, this is Gene's appointment, if we can get this done, there will be a more balanced ratio of male to female. 
So, so the mayor is saying, and this is a multi-layered deal, but in this instance, he's saying, uh, in the movement, in the Me Too, in the era of the Me Too movement, I'm going to throw, uh, I'm going to, you know, throw women off of the committees and appoint men, or at least in this case. Now he's appointing Gene over Wendy Geckler, who preferred not to be reappointed. Uh, Wendy's on the opposite side politically than me, uh, but I think Wendy in the Planning and Zoning uh, Commission was always fair and abided by our rules, uh, planning and zoning. So that's one issue. That's the issue I spoke to in council a week ago Monday. It was written up in the post-dispatch, the post-disgrace, I prefer to say. I canceled that subscription in Clinton's first uh, (laughs) term. But the Post wrote this whole article in the Metro section and failed to even mention my name. Uh, You know, they don't want to give credit to anybody who's identified with the Trump movement, certainly. And when I told them you're running a swamp up here, I think they got the message. So they wrote the that's article. How, that's how they did, they, they did their article when Claire McCaskill lorded over Mike Parson's uh, office there, the governor's office. They, they could refer to, to, they could have Claire McCaskill being the focus of it and refer to Look to Meyer and Wagner and others as others. Absolutely. The same kind of thing. Yeah. Now, the, now the, the, the crux of this deal, and, you know, that's going on up in Ward 1. That's Gene's, you know, that's not my deal so much. It's a city deal, but it's not my deal. My deal's down in Ward 2. In Ward 2, we've got, um, we've got a long-standing member of the Planning and Zoning Commission by the name of Laura Luking. Okay. And I know Laura's listening, Laura, and I know this isn't easy for you, but uh, Laura's being passed over in a reappointment to the Planning and Zoning Commission. Hmm. And she's being passed over for a guy by the name of Guy Tillman. Right. Now, I met Guy at the polls... Uh, Laura Luke would work in the polls. I show up to vote in, uh, in Ward 2, and Laura says, Ben, I want to introduce you to Guy Tillman. He's a good guy. I'd appreciate you vote for him for council. Right. Sure, Laura. I mean, you're, you're tuned in more than I am locally here now. I'll vote for Guy. The next interaction, <clears throat> excuse me, the next interaction I have with Guy Tillman uh, is I hear that Guy is going to accept a nomination. He spent one term on council, and you might have heard this before. Yeah, I need to spend more time with the family, so I'm not going to run for re-election. Well, fair enough, Guy. But, but what happens just months later is Guy shows up as a nominee for the Planning and Zoning Commission to replace Laura Luking. Now, the way this is supposed to work from policy... Did he, did he say, I don't want to spend any more time with my family? Is that, was his, that, was, we're that, gonna, was that his answer? We're, we're, I'd love to hear the I'm answer. I'm tired of spending time with... I've never heard anybody come back into... You know, I'm tired of spending time with my family. I'm getting back into I'm, politics. Yeah, it, all in the same year. Now, you know, <laughs> John, John Hoffman, who you used to have on the radio, yeah. ri- writes uh, notes from Snobberbia. Yeah. Uh, out there. You like him? You know what? Uh, because I was a, his forerunner, if you will, I published ChesterfieldNews.com in the right. 90s. John Hoffman is celebrating his 10 years of publishing his newsletter, which if it wasn't for John publishing his newsletter, we wouldn't have a clue what was going on in this. No, I, I had him on the air. I used to have him on the air quite a bit, and then he just recently trashed me. So Yeah, you know, I saw that, and that's unfortunate. You're talking about the gadfly? You're talking yeah, the about gadfly. John, the gadfly. I remember now, yeah. Problem was, the problem was he was so boring He's a on boring, the radio he would that I boring. had it. I, he, it, was, <laughs> it was intolerable to have him on. 
Uh, but I mean, he's done good work there. I know, and yeah. and I I always liked him, but he yeah he trashed me. He, I, don't know, I didn't even I, read the thing. I just heard he did. You I know, know, I know, uh, I know about it. He's just he's just what he is. And what did he say, by the way, about about you? Yeah, what did he say in there? I think what did he say? Yeah, you. Uh, I think he, you know, he he. Yeah, I think he claimed you might have had a pretty big personality, but didn't use those exact words. And uh, you know, I'd have to go look it up. To yeah. Be honest with you. Yeah. I'd have to look it up, and and I don't want to go there because that's not the issue. Like, I know. That, that, I just was that's curious. That's side yeah. issue. Yeah. I, I didn't I even know if you knew he trashed you or not. <laughs> I always want to go there. And it wasn't real bad. It no. wasn't. He's not nice to anybody. Okay, really, John? He's John Hoffman. Nobody John, knows who the hell he is. John, you are. the nice kind of gadfly, man. He's, He's the way I had him on. It was like we used to just, love the tension. Which we knew oh, you so it was, well. It was bad. We could it, tell that you weren't. We loved it. Pete, oh. Yeah, I mean, it was because he was just, and he didn't like it because he's a beta, and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't deal with alphas very well. You've got that. And, You've got and that, right. just ask his wife. And you, then, and then you, but so I, I had a, you know, so I had a situation where I, we had him on the air, and I, I, I finally, it, it was. Our ears were bleeding. The guy was just so awful. So I had to get him off the air eventually. Yeah. We just didn't call him one day. Well, but that might be why he wrote that article. Hoffman wrote for, the, for this time. He, he wrote for the patch. Yeah. Remember the patch? And when that thing blew up, he launched this newsletter. And I, I've talked to him a couple times. You know, he doesn't. He barely does email. I God know. bless him. He's and, all right. You know, he's what he is. God love him. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but but he, he says in his latest newsletter, that Guy Tillman got off a of council be- to spend more time with his family because there were, you know, you get two council meetings a month. And he wants to be now reappointed uh, to the Planning and Zoning Commission, which has two meetings a month. So sounds like politics to me. Sounds like a, a setup to me. But here's the, here's the tough part of the matter. He has six months' experience on planning and zoning. Laura Luking knows planning and zoning inside and out. And where you would consider that appointments should be made by who has the most qualification, who would be best for the city, we're appointing somebody, or the mayor intends to appoint him. This has already come out of committee, and will go to a full vote of council on Monday night. So why so, does the mayor like her? What's his deal with her? Well, you know, I guess, and now he has, Laura has told me that he has told her that she hates developers. Our city's developed out the wazoo. So, you know, it's ridiculous. Now, the mayor is, he makes the case for better together when better together says, oh, you're running a bunch of fiefdoms out there. Oh, right, He makes the case. Right, right. It's his, as a matter of fact, Jamie, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it, Uh, you know. uh, I asked Laura to sign an affidavit uh, to this effect because it, otherwise it just becomes he said, she said. But apparently there are two witnesses to our mayor saying that this is his effing city. What? Mm-hmm. What? And in, 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 the, in the era of the Me Too movement, you're throwing men off of commissions, or you're yeah. throwing women off of commissions to put men on to better... Ba- Why isn't the Post picking up this story? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right, right. So... Yeah. So we've got a, a, a big problem out in Chesterfield with this mayor. Uh, I think he's cooked his goose in the next election. And we've got a council meeting Monday night. I want to urge anybody who uh, lives in Chesterfield, hey, if you want to see a good show and you don't live in Chesterfield, you want to come out and address this, uh, this gender balancing issue that the mayor is trying to achieve, whatever that's about, 
you want to come out and see, uh, see what's going on and confront these people, Monday night, Chesterfield City Council meeting, 6.30 at City Hall, uh, I'm urging you to come on out. Okay. Because this story will develop, and if I could maybe, you know, we'll see how things go over the next few days of the weekend, but I'd like to, you know, get come a back on Monday. Monday. Thank you. All right. Yeah, come back on Monday. That would be terrific. We'll talk and more I so about John Hoffman, it. too. It'll be great. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll get John to uh, tune in and maybe listen to this broadcast and get a comment. Yeah, John, <laughs> call in the show. Hey, maybe, John, maybe, there's, maybe there's a, a place for me to bore maybe, people to death here. Maybe, maybe, you and, maybe you and Jamie can make up, John, and you can get back on the air with He's all right. But, hey, listen, it, his newsletter's much better than he did on the air, I got to tell you. He, you know, he writes words like, you know, what kind of crap's going on here? And he oh, can yeah, do no, all that on the newsletter. He's, he's, he's like a former <laughs> cop or something, too. Oh, he's a former cop, and... Uh, you know, he goes after rich people. He's got an issue with rich he people. I don't know does. what's up with that. I mean, yeah. you know, rich being rich doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a John Hoffman, you know. Hey, Jamie, I'll tell you what. I can't tell you how, uh, how happy. By the way, what fantastic graphics you got going on. I here. know. Can well, you believe this? This is, this is a Ben Murphy special. <laughs> These pictures over here are Ben Murphy specials. Yeah, dude, you did a great job. Well, we, I, we flew that one over at Discovery Design when we had our big uh, uh, event oh, yeah. on Saturday. So yeah, the one with the tornado. Yeah, yeah, the one where the tornado came yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you something. You know, while we're talking about it, uh, I worked with a general manager out there, um, in and getting the setup going. We were just about completed in the setup. We thought we might have been running short on bottled water. I was down to staking the tents down. And I said, you know, I can run down here to Quick Trip, get some bottled water. Quentin, the GM, says, I, Ben, I goes, I got to get a drill and drill through this asphalt. We get the stakes in here. I said, okay, you do that. I'm going to roll for water. When I came out of the Quick Trip, I could see a black cloud <laughs> o- quarter mile away over uh, Discovery Design, and I knew I was in trouble. I raced back to, to the event, and as I pulled on the parking lot, I couldn't see our tents. They were gone. <laughs> they were destroyed. Uh, you know, and, so I and all, laugh, all but yeah. you know, you just have to. Yeah. And thank God, nobody was hurt. Oh my! Well, that uh, was when it was still windy. I was windy. still waiting for Doug outside of his hotel. Yeah, windy and was a good. <laughs> yeah, windy. Windy. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it hadn't quite started to downpour yet. Right. Because I, and I was in, I was in Clayton waiting for Doug, who was doing interviews, and it was pouring down rain there. And so you guys were getting all the wind, and we were getting all the rain in Midtown, and then eventually the rain did hit out there. You know, that was, uh, as it turned out, we sure didn't need a misting station. We got, you know, God misted on us yeah. there. And, uh, oh, I know. But uh, I, I remember getting out of the car, going, where's the misting station? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. In America First, Missouri... You know, we wanted um, we wanted to have a presence. Uh, yeah, support oh yeah, man. You, yeah, you know, just you know, just stay, stay, stay in the game. Right on, buddy. And you know, and we're I know back you, in the game. That's for sure. Right on. That's for sure. And this is a much be- this is a much better deal. And as you go through this, and you know, you put a couple years under your belt, it's going to be amazing what this yeah. is going to grow into. Well, I'm hoping you guys utilize the network at some point. You guys need to amass a crew. And we got to get Genevieve on here, so I'll okay. have you back Monday. But we'll talk more about that. Thanks uh, and, again, and buddy, so much. You're the best, and thanks for your years of service to Common Sense, dude. You've Absolutely. been really, you've been amazing. I'm so. back in the game. I'm th- loving it. And Phil, thanks thank for you. the graphics too, friend. McClay Sign, catch me, catch me at McClay Sign, and I'm headed there right now. All right, brother. Thanks. Always guys. run around that van, you know. Get the, he's now got we the, are going the, to play a good cha cha cha. We'll have Genevieve Wood straight ahead. <laughs> 
Hello, this is Genevieve. Hi, Genevieve. How's it going? It's Jamie Hello. Allman and Phil Valencia here. How you doing? I'm just playing music. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. We just had one of your fellow Texans up here not too long ago. His name is Doug Giles. Clash Who Daily. Is that? Doug Giles from ClashDaily.com. He brought him up here from Austin. They had a book signing and everything else. It was a ton of fun. But we had Texas all over the place here, and now we have Texas all over the place here. <laughs> so how you doing? What's going I on? I love it. Oh. Well, I just got back from Texas, as a matter of fact. I was there for a family event over the weekend and came back yesterday. So uh, I'm re-energized, I would say. <laughs> I'm sure. So it's interesting, I, uh, and I don't know where, you're, where your head's at right now, but I will tell you that for whatever reason now, the president's back in, in D.C., and now suddenly there's this meme going on regarding the 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 uh, the Trump cult. It's just uh, Bob Corker's talking about it, and now suddenly yeah. that's that's the that's the topic du jour is the Trump cult. And basically, it boils down to people have dared support the president. Voters have went to the polls and turned people out who do not support the president. And now suddenly we have been certified as a cult. <laughs> You know, if a cult is a cult, the definition of just people actually doing what they say they're going to do and supporting what they actually believe in. I mean, is that what they, that is that the new definition of of a cult? I mean, people no, look, they they want to pretend that anybody who supports the president is somehow brainwashed. That's what a cult member is. But the reality is, most Trump supporters I know, including many of the ones I just saw in Texas, uh, they're not brainwashed. They're just they're on to the game of D.C. and they're on to the game of politicians who who continue to act like politicians. And they elected somebody who promised to fight that kind of culture. And he is fighting that kind of culture. And so they continue to support him. I don't call that a cult. I call that supporting someone who's actually doing what he promised to do. You being happy about it and others who continue to want to fight against it putting them out of office. I mean, look what happened in, in South Carolina. That was a primary. It was a tight race. Uh, I think the president coming out endorsing one candidate probably tipped the scales, but that's nothing unusual. That's ha- that happens all the time in politics. So uh, look, th- these are folks, Bob Corker among them, um, who haven't been happy since the election of 2016 because there's been a disruption in Washington and with politics as usual, they don't like it. So they continue to complain. Uh, my, my, you know, I think some of this will go away once some of them leave office, which is going to happen after uh, this next election. Some of them are resigning. Uh, I think some of the complaints going to go away. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's so curious because uh, you know we, we're seeing really it, it's almost as if because you know, I, I know that they the, uh, even Fox interviewed Sanford yesterday, and apparently the fact that he was duly unelected. <laughs> Is some kind of crisis now? Like he's going on and complaining like he's some kind of victim of sorts. When the reality is, voters are just speaking like they've always spoken, and I don't know why this suddenly is some kind of uh, constitutional crisis because certain people are losing their seats to people who support President Trump. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, I mean, it's a it's a crisis for those who don't like President Trump. (laughs) You know, I mean, this 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 is the crisis. And they want to name it something else because they they don't want to admit what it actually is, which is 
people don't like what's been going on. They wanted to see a change. That's why we had the election of 2016. And somehow many of these folks thought, well, that was just kind of a blip on the radar screen. People will get over it. Things will come back to normal. Well, things haven't come back to the normal that they wanted, that that, that those in, in office wanted. And people still want to see change happen here. They like much of what the president's doing. And so, yes, they're continuing to elect people who are supportive of him. But again, for those, you know, who, like I said, wish 2016 had not occurred, they're the ones who can't get over it. And they're the ones that are still complaining. But like, you know, just like Bob Corker, many of them are going to be gone in, the, in about a year in terms of being in office in Washington. And I think some of this complaining may 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 go away. Yeah. All right. The Democrats will keep complaining. But but in terms of the Republican Party itself, some of the naysayers are either going to be taken out of office or they've decided to step out on their own. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Now, speaking of elections uh, and Texas, for that matter. I want to double back on a really uh, great article there at the Daily Signal, dailysignal.com. And this is where it's, uh, those of you who know Genevieve know she gets out of the office every once in a while. In fact, that's how she does a lot of her stuff. And so you went to the Senate offices of Ted Cruz and did an interview with him. And one of the topics in, uh, involved gun control. I'll get to that in a second. And the Santa Fe, Texas shooting, school shooting that's being basically ignored by the media. But I want to just quickly, before we get to that part of it, because I thought it was a great piece that you wrote uh, in the wake of the interview, how's he going to be faring? There was some concern about an independent candidate running around down there. So how's Ted Cruz going to do? I think he's going to do very well. Again, I think the story about him has been very similar to the stories about turning Texas blue and the whole thing that you've heard, you know, many people have heard before. I think it's wishful thinking on the left side. I'm not saying that he doesn't have to campaign hard and, you know, that you should take anything for granted, but he has the support of the conservative base and the Republican Party in Texas. I think he's going to do just fine on Election Day. Yeah, I, I hope so, because, you know, he, first of all, this this has been a great story about what it's like to be a, a regular human being and a man. And so he goes through this really tough election with President Trump and they have some really it's really hardcore. Even his supporters and supporters of Trump were all fighting amongst themselves and everything else. And so it's very contentious, very personal. And, you know, we, yeah, we saw Reagan and Bush kind of get over it. I get that. But it took a lot for, in my opinion, for Ted Cruz to kind of just pick up where he left off. And, and he's always been a great Senator, but also he has been uh, a very good supporter when it's right uh, of President Trump uh, as a, as a senator, even though he is obviously a strict constitutionalist and he's one of the he's kind of like a Freedom Caucus guy, uh, he still has been an avid and valued and valuable supporter of President Trump uh, as a U.S. senator. No, he absolutely has, and we and we talked about that in, in the interview. Uh, you know, I mean, he said he talks to the president on a regular basis. He advises him on a regular basis. And it doesn't sound like there's any, you know, any animosity there. I mean, look, there's no doubt they had a they had a uh, more rough and tumble relationship, if you will, probably than almost anybody else in the primary, the Republican primary, because it came down to the two of them. Right. You know, I mean, the others got out earlier, but he was, you know, Cruz was there to the end uh, and, and it got pretty bruising. I'm frankly on both sides. Uh, but I, you know, I think both of them have shown they can work together. They put that behind them. Uh, and I, and look, I think most supporters of Cruz in Texas, many of which, I mean, many I know who 
liked Senator Cruz. He was actually their first choice. But then they supported uh, Trump when he became the nominee. Uh, And they're also very supportive now of President Trump. They also like Senator Cruz as a senator. So, you know, from the from the voting base, uh, I think much all of that is in the background. But I even think between him and the president in terms of their working relationship, that doesn't seem to be an issue. He says he talks to him on a regular basis uh, and that he listens to his advice. He seems he's he's been very supportive. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I, I hope I hope he does well, and it sounds to me like he will. One of the topics you did discuss in that particular article and in that interview was the Santa Fe school shooting, which basically really – and I realize a lot of other news events have happened. I understand that. But it seems like the that shooting has been, has been ignored uh, in large part because some of the students really haven't been on board with the whole gun control thing in the aftermath of it. Yeah, well, well, completely the opposite. I mean, actually, some of the students came out and were like, the the last thing we want you to do is take our guns away. I mean, the complete opposite of what you heard some of the kids who got all the media attention at the Parkland School of Florida say. So you're right. And and I talked about that with Cruz, and he made the comments like, you know, I was there, and he said to a person, he said, myself, Governor Abbott, who's the governor of Texas, we met with these students very shortly after the shooting, and they all said, the last thing we want is for them to come in and put restrictions on our guns. You know, if anything, what we would like is, is for more people in the school to have been armed, whether it's having more security guards on campus, you know, allowing teachers who have the ability and the experience to actually carry a gun. It was the complete opposite reaction of what you heard. Again, not all Parkland students say, but all the ones who got the media attention. And so, therefore, he's like, you know, CNN, all these different outlets, they don't want to cover this. They want to pretend this didn't happen or that these students don't exist because they aren't touting the pro, uh, you know, take our guns away line that you heard from David Hogg and many of the students in Florida. So uh, I think you're right. You're seeing a blackout on that story. Uh, And frankly, it's just a perfect another perfect example of the fake news the president talks about. They only cover what they want to cover in the media narrative that tells the story that they want to tell. And this isn't one they want to tell. Yeah. One of the stories you uh, were able to talk about with Senator Cruz, and, and there's a video of it. We'll put a link out there, I guess, on the Facebook page and the Facebook comments. I'll put a link out there so you guys can see it. But he talked about one of the students who said that his teacher uh, was a former Marine who would be, who actually yeah. would be trained to handle a firearm, but did not have one. Uh, as per school policy or whatever else. And here's a former Marine who's a teacher who clearly could deal with a situation like this and yet was not equipped to do so and and perhaps could have ended uh, further carnage. Yeah, that's well. That's a perfect example. And again, that's one of those scenarios. And that's one of the the things that came out of the Parkland discussion was, you know, more and more things that we could be doing. One of the discussions was, should we be arming teachers? Should we be arming administrators? And nobody has argued, not the NRA, no one, that every school teacher should be armed. The suggestion was that teachers who have experience or who want to get trained should have the ability to carry a gun if they would if they would like to do so, and if they've had the proper training. And the reality is we already have a lot of teachers, such as this one, who either have previous military background, police background, maybe they're a marksman on their, you know, on their time off, they're, they're uh, someone who's done shooting as a sport. 
And those are folks who already have training or who can have additional training. And if they were armed in a school, that would be like, you know, that's not having to pay for an extra police officer or security officer. They're already there. And if, and if a gunman were to come into the classroom or into a hallway and you, and, and I should add, Jamie, those are people that the gunman wouldn't know who's where, right? You're not going to know which teacher is armed and which is not, but you may know as a gunman, people in that school have guns that I don't know about. There are people in there who are armed. I don't know where they are. I can see a security officer. I may not know which teacher is armed. That is a huge deterrent in many respects because they, they have no idea what they would be coming up against right now. There is no deterrent at most schools because they know either nobody's armed or they know there's two security guards or one security guard. And even there, in those cases, they know in many cases where they are. They are they're clearly identifiable. With the teachers, you don't know. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's something that every individual school district and school ought to be able to decide for themselves. No uh, and I think that the students that the, that the senator talked to felt that way. But again, that's why the media doesn't want to cover it. Yeah, that's crazy. And again, it's a great example of where, you know, if we're going to talk about solutions to the school shooting situation, whatever else, we have to be talking more about security and beyond. And Genevieve Wood, I know you're on top of it. I also know you have a short uh, time here. You got to get someplace at 750 so, or 850 your time. So we want to let you go. But I appreciate you joining us as always. Thank you. All right, Daily Signal. Hey, Jamie, it's great to be on with you as always. Absolutely, and thank you so much for your support of Radio Free Almond, and we just love hearing from you, and you do great work there at DailySignal.com and beyond. So, Genevieve, thanks a ton. Thank you, Jamie. Genevieve Wood there at Daily Signal. Yeah. So I was at the uh, Muni last night. Oh. Speaking of the... um, This is what you saw. Well, I didn't see West Side Story, but it was a Jerome Robbins evening. And so it was all these hits from Jerome Robbins' production. So you had bits from The King and I and West Side Story. It was really good, man. It's a really good show. And it is it was like cultural appropriation night there at the Muni. It was fantastic. <laughs> I, w- I was like watching the, the show. I'm thinking, this is, how are they doing this now? <laughs> I mean, it be- because there's a lot of, I mean, it was like, it was like stereotype city there. Because, you know, back in the 60s, you know, they had these great shows, man. And some of them were, you know, a little... You know, yeah. Grass skirty and you know that kind of stuff going on. But it, but it was real. It's a really good show. So for every song, they recreated the scene on stage that would have been the set. It was like the, it was like the best of mm-hmm. of of the Muni. Wow. You know, let me see. I I, I got to remember some of the. You know, it was really good. Uh, the the kids were um, the, the the kids were a little bored by it, but I, I but I understand that. But I loved it. So they they had and 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 they had and, and the dancing and everything else was really great. So they had um, 
the small house of Uncle Thomas, which I'd never seen before, but the king and I, uh, and and that was that was really good. But the king and I is like, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> really, oh, that was well. back in the yeah, I know. It was like, <laughs> we it was like, it was like so, I mean, it was really, I was surprised they did that. But I mean, I was glad they did it, though. It's something from, uh, they, they had the billion dollar baby bit, which was great. They had these flappers and. Man, it was great. But one of the things we talk about security, <laughs> and I should—I probably shouldn't say this. So they had something from Peter Pan and Fiddler on the Roof. Now, keep in mind, I—I I have a—I was traumatized by Fiddler on the Roof as a young person <laughs> because my mom took me to go see Fiddler on the Roof as a movie. Okay, and the movie was four hours long. Okay. Yeah. Hold on, let me get some fiddle on the roof music here. Because I would say I really, I really liked it. Um, the first time you saw it? No, to the, when I saw it in the, on the oh. stage here at, okay. at uh, the Muni. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it, and it was, uh, it was good. And I normally never, I'm never really like a big fiddle on the roof person because it's like, please don't. Um, do this because I was bored out of my skull. So I, my mom took me to the movie, and it didn't help that she took me to the movie with one of her friends. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know how that goes. Yeah. So like your mom has a friend she always sees, and then you're like eleven mm-hmm. or ten, and you're going to the movie with your mom and her friend, and you're going to the. Fi- and I love my mom, by the way, but. Uh, and, but you're going to the movie in a theater, and it's four hours long, meaning there's an intermission <laughs> in, in, in a movie. And normally, I'm going like, like normally around that age. I was going to see movies with my dad, and we were seeing westerns and shoot 'em ups, and you know, horror movies and military movies and war movies and that kind of stuff. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting, I wasn't normally sitting around. You know, Watching four-hour movies like Fiddler on the Roof. That's rough, man. That's rough right there. I was traumatized by it. Rabbi, (laughs) we've waited all our lives for the Messiah. Wouldn't now be a good time for him to come? Imagine me, I'm 10, listening to this, watching this on the screen. Yeah. Meanwhile. Can't even eat my popcorn because it's too loud. Right. Because Shivy or whatever his name is is talking. <laughs> I've never seen it. Quiet. Shubby Shlimmy is talking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Don't mean to interrupt Topol. Whatever the hell his name is. Shazbot. I got to go to the bathroom again, so I'll be back. A tree. What's a house? I mean, imagine me listening to this all night. All and, it, and, it's, and, and by the way, it wasn't just it wasn't just a four hour movie. It was a four hour movie in the afternoon. It wasn't even a nighttime movie. You know that I could you know liquor up to go see. It was an afternoon movie. Mobile. It's like, oh, surely. Yeah. Gotcha. But this, 
the, this bit at the Muni was fantastic. They, the dancing was outrageously fantastic. And I was like, oh, you know what? Because I passed on Fiddler on the Roof when it was at the Muni, I think, like last year or something. I was like, I'm not going to see Fiddler on the Roof. And I should have. Now you regret it. Now you regret it. But I saw the best of Fiddler on the Roof at this Jerome Robbins with the Muni. Who's this Jerome Roberts? Tell me who that is. Jerome Robbins. Jerome Robbins. He's a he's a he's a um, arranger. He's okay. a mus- he's a writer. But Jerome Robbins was the arranger of many of these of all of these songs. songs right? Yeah, no kidding. Fiddler on the Roof and the King music and for, for West or King and I. Wow, wow, it was really good. It's from Peter Pan. But, but I was going to uh, tell you about. Um, so he's a, he's a he's a director, choreographer, all the dancing. He's a really amazing guy. But the what I'm getting at is in the way why this how this connects to school shootings is the Muni has instituted a wanding process now. So, so when you go there now, they have people with their wands. What happened when they that wanted could, you, bro? Um, mm-hmm. Here's here's what happened, and mm-hmm. I I almost hate to say this because mm-hmm. I I don't want to mislead anybody. Or you ever see Spinal Tap the movie? Oh yeah, this is okay. Go on. I'm just. But I uh, there's those the, that's those things are not. That they don't work. I think I know where you're going with this, and I think everybody probably understands what you're saying without probably going too much further. So it's like it's like its own theater mm-hmm. when you when they go wanding you. That's like a that's like a, that's like a that's a that's a that's a that's a it, that's its own sideshow, if you will. <laughs> Did they wand a Lily? They're wanding everybody, but the wands are like these. I, I'm I'm telling you. They're f- it's fake. <laughs> I felt bad because my aide and I are like laughing, right? Because the, the wands don't beep or anything. It's like the, it's like this kabuki theater where these people are holding you, okay, and they're wanding and they wand you, and then you know the wands are not even. You, know, you, you and they had these little baskets that you put your phone in. Yeah, it's like okay, I'll put my phone in the basket for you. Do I need to put my keys in? No. How about anything else? No. Like, okay, so put the phone over there. I've got keys in my pocket. Yeah. Pocket knife. Switchblade. Right. My stiletto. Right. <laughs> and, there, and, and there's nothing beeping at all. And it's okay. like, there's. That, and there should have been if we were talking about. If they were, let's put it this way. I get it. It's, it, it what it is, it's like a bunch of like, okay, step right up. I'm going to wand you. Okay, right. here we go. They're like, mm. like, like 18 year olds, you know, right. wanding you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These guys are. I could have I could have brought in my Keltep Tech fifteen bull round bullpup right. and stuffed it down my pants. They never would have known. Just your phone in the basket, please. Right. And, and all I'm saying is, I love the Muni. Uh, my family, we've been in, and my wife's family have been season ticket holders for a long time, and so uh, it's a privilege, really, to go to the Muni. I love it. And I love that they do the national anthem beforehand all the time, and the flag is lit, and Denny Reagan's been there forever, 35 years, 36 years. And it's a, I mean, and, and so I don't want to be 
uh, I don't want to, I'm not trying to mock them, but the, the ones there's those, if you go through there, um, those are, there's, they're just, they're, it's not real. There's no way. <laughs> nice try though, you guys. And I was trying to think though to myself, who's going to shoot anybody at the Muni? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I, I know, be- but you know, I know that worse things have happened, but. Uh, yeah, when I think soft targets, I don't think nobody's gonna shoot the, anybody. The meet the king and I, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. like you know. Yeah. I guess I guess there's a possibility of it, but I, I was I was confounded by that development. I was like, um, why now? Like, why are you doing this this year? Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, wanding. Mm-hmm. And taking stuff out of your pockets and putting them in baskets, and I just—it just seemed odd to me to have the Muni wanting people. They haven't been doing this for no. It's oh, never. It's okay. brand new. Okay, that, that that is strange. That's a weird. That's a good yeah. question. That's a fair question. Then, as a as a patron, as you are for generations, uh, that's a fair question. Why now? Yeah. Well, what's up? I mean, I don't you know? mind, I, and I really don't mind being wanted, but. But I was more amused by the fact that there's not a chance in hell those things are picking up anything. They're not even beeping. <laughs> I think I think what happened is that, you know what they do is the, is the people who are wanting you are, are actually going with their mouths going beep 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 so, so they're 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 practicing for their role as the the wander in the next the the one person in the next musical, the next school shooting musical. Right. <laughs> I'm you as you go. Oh, that's my brass knuckles, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me drop those in the basket. Pardon me. But I mean, they weren't even picking. I mean, I didn't put. I when I walked up there, I purposely kept like my keys in my pocket just to see if they were gonna beep or anything, and they didn't. <laughs> Belt buckle, you know. Yeah, your belts. I mean, what? How does that work? What is nothing? It, it's like a metal detector. It can yeah. determine what it is. Alloy. Those the things. Were keys are made of metal, so keys should beep. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm really endangering anybody by saying these are fake because it's unnecessary to even have security, with the exception of having actually somebody there. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think anybody's gonna. Women, up in the middle of the women get, get more angry at these situations than I've I've seen. My son's graduation at for SLU this year, it was outrageous. The security we had to go through to get through there. <clears throat> and people were, you know, the, they were really rude. People were rude and yelling at people, you know, no backpacks, no backpacks. People showing up with backpacks that had to run back to their cars, you know. It was a nightmare there, actually, for security. I didn't really understand it. But women... Uh, get more angry because then people have to look through their sometimes look through their purses and stuff, and when they're not prepared for that, that's uh, somewhat embarrassing, as I've been told by some people. That it's just like, oh, you're opening my purse, you're looking through my purse. Other people are standing right behind me, like an inch behind me, they're looking at my purse. So for for guys, it's like, here's my keys, here's my lighter. I'm a smoker, so it's always my lighter. Uh, I've lost several good Swiss Army tiny knives in airports all over California, which is really irritating when they take your damn knife that you just spent. Well, I don't want you taking a knife on the airplane either. <laughs> no, but we're talking about the tiny little keychain Swiss Army ones that come with your cologne. You know, they're like, a, you know, they, they, 
They took my sons. We had to. Well, they took over an airplane with box cutters. I don't want some some mooch carrying your little perfume. Hey man, knife. Hey man, I'm serious, dude. Don't carry a knife on a plane, dude. It hurts. (laughs) No, but here's the other thing, though. Uh, Why don't they just do? They should play, make it a game, maybe. And so you have a guy like from Monty Hall from Let's Make a Deal. You know, Mm. hey, (laughs) anybody have a firearm in their purse? You can see we well, behind what's behind door number three if you've got a firearm in your purse. Uh, switchblade? Get Monty Hall out there. He's got a Zippo. <laughs> right. But no, I see, and sometimes, like for instance, why do they have security there at a graduation? Oh, it was outrageous, man. It was, it was one of the things I will always remember about my son's graduation was the hassle we all went through to get into that building and watching other people get yelled at by... I guess pissy employees. It was just really bad. I mean, it was really bad. We, I was kind of angry about it for several minutes after we went through it, and many other people were too. It was, um, I don't know why that happened like that. I'm not sure what they're afraid of, at, at, you know, Scott Trade or whatever. Was it, so, so did they, uh, what were the, who were the people doing the security? Really? Like, uh, like, just like rental people? You betcha. Like people that were not happy to be there and didn't give a crap about what we were there for and how big of a deal it was to us and... And it was um, really insulting. I almost complained the first night. We had to go to two, and the first night was worse. But they were just screaming at the top. I mean, you're standing this far away from them, and they're talking to everybody behind you, so they're screaming. But they're this close to you, screaming, you know, no backpacks, no back at them, no, absolutely no, no. You know, like it's, like it's insulting that we've come up unprepared for this and that, that we are idiots or something. Right. They're sending people back to their cars, and it was raining. I mean, they were making people walk all the way back to their cars, which, was, you know, with some people it was quite a distance, and just to put their backpacks away because there's no backpacks, which I don't even understand that. I don't understand that at all because a lot of people use backpacks now as their purses and things. That, that's, a, that's a big part of, you know, especially college, whatever. Well, let's put it way. You're at a graduation. I could see people bringing in, like, some waters and stuff or whatever for the back because you're there for four hours or whatever yeah. it is. And some yeah. people might bring some waters in or mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean – you might have you might have a uh, let's say if you if somebody's graduating and you're a parent and you've got like three younger kids with you mm-hmm. uh, and you're carrying their stuff in your back you know backpack and I, like at the muni you know they they would check like if you brought in a cooler like a water they they check it to make sure you weren't bringing in you know wine or whatever it is and, and just make sure you weren't bringing in booze. But that's about it. Sometimes you know, you know what you, you know what would really solve the whole problem is if everybody had firearms. That 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 in fact, if you had outside Scott Trade Center at a graduation, firearms welcome. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have too many problems there. It was part of the, part of the whole reason why they do this is because they because most people aren't armed because they can't be because they won't let you be right. and so they have to then do security for everybody in the off chance that somebody is going to come in who's armed but if everybody were armed uh that wouldn't be a problem no but the free seats include do you have to get wanted to go to the free seats my my wife's family is like the free seat people like the wand i think it's it's still, i think they're wanding people up top too yeah okay. i mean oh. i think Wow. I don't know why you wouldn't wand everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Why why would you just, why would you just wand the first 10 rows who who arrive at the Muni, you know? But they're the most dangerous people, I believe. The people that are season ticket holders, they're the ones that 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to shoot. They're wanting old ladies and stuff. And yeah. I mean, I'm going to shoot Peter Pan. I'm going to make a big deal of this. <laughs> <laughs> right about the time Peter Pan flies through the air, I'm going to mm-hmm. pick him off. Mm-hmm. It's like nobody's going to do that. No. But yeah, I, I, I think the solution is just simply more guns, not fewer, because then you wouldn't have to, you know do that but I, I but a graduation seems odd to me I, I don't know whether there's like what is what is the security threat at a gra- I mean at some point listen at some point especially when it comes to security at some point you're not going to be able to uh, to to avoid everything you're, you're just not you're, you're at some point you're not going to have absolute safety you're just not and and, and sometimes you just have to be out there and you know if somebody's going to shoot up a graduation then that's that's pretty much that's going to happen absolutely you know yeah. if somebody's going to shoot up the muni yeah that's just going to that's going to be a bummer and and just hope you're not there when they do right but otherwise you're never going to really have a have a pure uh purely safe environment and 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 at some point I'd rather just not have any security at some mm-hmm. of these events at all yeah, I think You're was always, that the first time you've been wanted at the Muni the whole time you've ever gone there? Like, yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was the as first I said, it was like the brand new thing this year. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's crazy. Hmm. So I I just thought it was weird, and but but it, it's be, it, but it's even more comical since the wands don't work. Right. It sounds like if there is a problem out there, that there's going to be people going to be taking care of it. You're being got, you're being wanded by a volunteer mm-hmm. theater student. Mm-hmm. It's just not it's not going on there. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, but that's that's the way it is. I don't mean to, I, and I'm hope I'm not I'm hope I'm not disrupting their security stuff there by by saying that. But um, I've just I've just got to put it out there. I probably shouldn't have said that. Denny Regan's going to be mad at me. I'm going to get the. I'm going to get the. Uh, I'm going to get the um, cross eye from these guys when I go there next time. I always. I always do that when I. Whenever I say something negative about the Muni, if I ever do. Mm-hmm. When I go back, somebody's always looking at me. Yeah, they'll do you like the airport where they pull you out of line and take you into the special room and get you to strip down and make sure you know they'll make an example out of you and maybe boot your seats back a few rows. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We'll take a break and be back because the media is going nuts over the whole Trump cult thing. Thank you, Corker. Little Bob Corker. (laughs) Little Bob Corker. Yeah. Nice. Oh, man. Then we got this report coming out from the um, Inspector General today. It's going to be devastating James Comey isn't in jail by the end of the day I'll be surprised
Great Jim Morrison, man. What are you going to do? It was a debacle, his death. Probably be about 400 pounds by now, anyway. But recluse somewhere. You know what I mean? Paris. Accept a lifetime achievement award and say F Trump or something, maybe. Big fat Jim Morrison says F Trump at standing ovation. American music. Awards. Yeah, right. The Grammys. Yep. You know, Jim Morrison, the doors, they were way. Jim Morrison was prophetic in predicting that. Uh, he said, he said, someday most music will be all electronic. He said that in an interview like in 1968 or something, you know. Yep. Yep. He knew it. I mean, obviously, they they used the keyboard and synthesizer quite a bit. That probably gave them a little bit of a tip-off, because Ray Manzarek was that guy, right? Oh, yeah. A great band, man. Give me a break. Whatever happened to all those guys? Well, they reunited. Remember, they had a couple different lead singers, um, and I guess Ray Ray passed away. Yeah, uh, but they tried Ian Astbury with from the Cult, who I was a big fan of. I thought that was kind of cool because he sort of had that vibe. Um, and then they got somebody else. Wasn't it? Wasn't it the guy from Creed? Oh, uh, when dreaming, uh, right. okay. Yes. I forget. I, maybe somebody knows. I, I think it was the lead singer from Creed that did a gig with uh, Ray and those guys. But, uh, yeah, I thought that Ian Asbury was a good choice, but that didn't seem to work out because I heard he's kind of an ass and hard to work with. So that's probably why that didn't work out. But Creed's yeah. a good band, actually. They were, they were a lot. Dude, are you, is this happening right now? Playing some, playing some Creed? No, I'm playing Michael Jackson. Time about Creed, so. It's a good song, actually, though. Okay. I mean, you know, come on, I'm a snob. I know, I'm a snob. I'm sorry, but. Uh, well, this is like their one hit, you know. Well, there was the other one. The one he wrote for his daughter or whatever. And what was like, whatever happened to him? Last time I heard he was in the hotel and he was broke and he was trying to get people to give him money. And I heard he wasn't doing so good. He spent all his money and the band screwed him over. Oh, God. They, were like, they had like religious songs and stuff, too, didn't they? That was part of the problem with the band. I didn't see things eye to eye, I think, on some of that direction there. Yeah. Because yeah. he wanted to be like a little more religious right? Uh-huh. Yep. He, 
Man of the Jesus. Dude, shut up with your higher stuff. Let me just jam. Stop with your Jesus stuff, dude. Let me just jam and do heroin. Uh, they dethroned temporarily. You know, the back, back, the back pages of Rolling Stone always shows you the charts. Who's got the best sound? And then they always have that special section where they show you the best-selling albums of all time. And, of course, Dark Side of the Moon was there since, like, you know, 79 or something. It had been the top-selling. And Creed had dethroned them. So for a while there, we were seeing, you know, Dark Side of the Moon and then Creed. And it was sort of disturbing to some of us out there. <clears throat> that they dethroned Dark Side of the Moon as a greatest album selling. We didn't like that, but... Come on, let's go there. Oh, come on, everybody. Oh, yeah. Let's go there. <laughs> I saw them in concert. I bet you did. They were I believe good. you. And they, and they were good, I'm sure. I think they opened up for somebody, though. Have you ever seen a concert that wasn't good? No, I love concerts. Right, so... There we have it. Even the worst bands look good in concert sometimes. Wow. You know, um, they're not this guy, this singer's not as good as this guy. Come on, everyone, let's sing like this. I'm gonna sing like this all the time. I'm gonna sing like this all the time. Like I can't breathe. Oh my god. That makes me just a little bit Test crash. Whatever crash test stuff. There's a piece that makes my breathing not so easy. You know, he's uh he's still around this dude. Hmm. It's the worst song ever made right here. I mean really I mean I'm seriously one of the worst songs ever made. Had the CD though. Jammed it in the car every once in a while. Because he's, because he's talking like singing like this all the time. Because he's a crash test dummy. I'm a crash test dummy. After seven days, he was quite tired. Not the worst song. Tired. <laughs> All right, buddy, we get it. Just <laughs> You're a crash test dummy, I know. Wish I was one. Gathered up some people he had made. He's requiring a lot of investment in this song sometimes. And that's the thing, the bands make a mistake when they make you you gotta really invest in their song. I was like, where are you go- You're starting like, where are you going with this? Come on, Phil, sing with me. Come on, God shuffle feet. Come on. Church. Then we get it. Wow. You know, one of the one of the undersung bands was David and David, man. Whatever happened to those guys? David and David. Where's David? Which David are you talking about? Oh, I remember this. What would have happened to those guys?
I Swallow by the Cracks is a great song, and so is um, the Ain't So Easy one. This is a good one, too. They get right into it right away, you know. But their most popular song, that required an investment. The, the, uh, the, the, the Boomtown one. Welcome to the Boomtown. Oh, that was the big one, yeah. Maybe they got in a big fight about whose name came first in the building or something. I don't know. Well, there was David, and there was then there was Ann David, and right, <laughs> who's gonna get? And he said, "Well, my first name starts with an A, so I should be the first one." <laughs> but that would be then, then the other David said, "Yeah, but that would be Ann David David." Mm-hmm. Ann David, how about David Butt David? See this this song requires too much of an adventure. Yeah, this is you gotta you gotta chill for a minute. There's a build going on here. You gotta be patient. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like stairway to heaven. She keeps dreams on her marble on her floor. Yeah. Mm. Gosh, I'm flashing back and it's cocaine in her dresses, mm. bars on her door. She keeps a back. I still think that um, Dave Matthews remains, even though people kind of get tired of him, that remains one of the great live bands. I've never seen him, but I have friends that are like, you know, Dave Matthews tattoos yeah, and right. stuff. So yeah, like, of course, yeah. They live it. But, uh, we're going to talk, talk like this when you talk to yeah. talk like this. Yeah, wear that guitar higher, dude. Wear it higher. Get it up here. He's so good. Band is so good. No, sax player just got in a bunch of trouble. Oh, one of the players got in a bunch of trouble for something inappropriate. Something. I heard some news breaking. They turn the music down so you can think people can hear you. Can do that for you? What's that? You want me to turn the music down so people can hear you? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I like talking to oh, okay. loud music. Just crank <laughs> okay. it up. You hear that? Sorry, crank. You want to make sure you crack. Baby, you know they they come here every year. How could you miss them? I'm not, uh, unfortunately, not a big fan of Dave Matthews. But oh, you don't like him? I didn't say that. I'm just not a big fan. I'm a big fan of his drummer. Why do you hate Dave Matthews? I understand um, that. I yeah. mean, you really hate these guys. I hate the Grateful Dead. But are you a, are you a county They this band was a Van Morrison ripoff when I first heard them. I thought oh, this is a Van Morrison ripoff, obviously, which. Obviously, but, but this band is actually really good. Of the Crows, this is the Crows that I prefer versus the the Black. I prefer the County Crow bands. Yeah, he was dating Courtney Cox back when she was still hot. Oh. They're going to go up on Curtis Mayfield, you're racist. No, I'm not going to do it, man. No, my drummer's like this. Whatever happened to them? 
Those are those are the days when they had the black exploitation films. Yeah. Those are great. They had uh, Blackula, Blackula, Superfly, Shaft. Shaft was great. Who is the man? <laughs> Wasn't there some black chick detective, though, too? Foxy Brown or whatever her name was? Yeah. Foxy Brown. Then they had, then they had um, some... They had some takeoffs that were, uh, that were like black exploitation parodies. And you remember, have you ever seen the movie I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker? Oh, that movie's hilarious. <laughs> that movie's That's hilarious, awesome. man. The Wayans Brothers were... Really cool back then. Did you know that there were? Um, I didn't even know there were child sex robots. Not everybody knew that. So, I didn't know not that. you, huh? No, I didn't know that. That's that's a disturbing. Concept. Not anymore, my friend, because the U.S. House has banned the importation and trafficking of anatomically correct child sex dolls and robots. That sounds pretty good, like a pretty good idea to ban that on the way to their baseball game practice or whatever. That's something to do. That's at least something that they're doing. I'll tell you what, people will go to amazing lengths to be horrible. You know, I mean, oh. you really you really have to try hard. To... That's down there on the bottom rung, pretty much right there. I mean, as far as... Yeah, I mean, that's really... You really have to really... You really have to really work at being a terrible person to go the route. Not only, obviously, abusing a real human being, obviously, is horrible. But even just the idea of making a robot. I mean, you got to really be like, uh, that's just, I don't, yeah, don't see that. So today we're going to have the big uh, deal regarding the FBI Inspector General, the Justice Department Inspector General report that's going to be coming out today. And it's going to basically accuse James Comey of um, violating department guidelines and mishandling the Hillary Clinton email investigation. So McCabe already left, the deputy director. And they, he might even be charged with a crime for lying to investigators. And I'm not quite sure Comey isn't far behind on this one. Peter Strzok and this and his uh, paramour, Lisa Page, they might be also under some pretty intense criminal scrutiny. This chick has left the FBI since, Lisa Page, and... These, this is going to be a pretty big deal today, and hopefully uh, Comey, who I think is really super annoying, is going to finally have uh, his rear handed to him. So what's happening and what we, what, we, what we might see is that Comey, first he went before lawmakers at one point to explain his findings regarding the... Uh, Hillary Clinton email investigation. Promised to update them if any new information came to light. 
then notified Congress he reopened the whole thing. This is October 28th of 2016 because they found those emails on Wiener's uh, laptop, right? Remember that? Then right before the election, Comey went public again to say he had found no new bombshells and would close the investigation. And Clinton is, of course, blaming Comey's discussions about this on her loss. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And she said that she was on her way to winning until Comey's letter and everything else came out. Do you believe that? No. I kind of, I guess maybe I was naive at the time because I, I, up that last week of the election cycle, I actually believed that Hillary was going to win. Oh, I, I thought there was a chance, but I always believe, I, I absolutely was convinced that Trump was going to win the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were. You were. I remember the way, and, but, but when, the Comey, when the Comey thing happened, I felt like that maybe did push some of the people on the fence over to vote against her. Uh-huh. And maybe that it did actually have something to do with her. Well, my my view was um, my view w- at the time was that by that time, yeah. people had already made up their minds. You were either voting for Hillary Clinton or you were not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there was just by, by the time Comey was talking by the by the time Halloween rolled around, mm-hmm. there were no votes being changed. Yeah. I mean, I they just it, there just were not. Yeah. I mean, I, I I didn't. I'm 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 convinced that the election was over. Well, I think the election was over when Hillary Clinton made, did her deplorable speech. I'll never forget <clears throat> sitting and listening to her big speech. And this was at the time. I don't know who she was giving it to. But I was listening to it in the car. And it was around mid-morning. Listening to it in the car. And I, uh, it was, it was, I don't know where it was. But she was talking about how the Republican Party needed to be ashamed of Donald Trump and of the white nationalist or I can't remember exactly what she how she described that but she she was she was encouraging at this point the Republican party to separate itself from president trump because of how horrible his he was and or whatever then she's talked about the deplorables and when when I was listening to her talk I first of all, my despising of her just grew deeper and deeper with every word. And when she called, when she used the deplorables phrase, at that point, I believed that there was no way she was going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably you were more in, <clears throat> you were more centered in on what was really going on. Yeah, I I, I was still nervous. I was I was really nervous. I was really nervous. I almost felt like we were going to be expatriates if she won. We were like kind of movers. We were terrified. It's easy to forget. People probably do forget a little bit how <clears throat> how nervous some of us were about her winning and what it meant for our future of our kids and our someday our grandkids. We were really it was like a terminal feeling. And then, and then when that Comey thing came out, I, I I guess I just was grasping for something to give me give me faith, and that might have been just something I grabbed onto. But you probably were right. You probably already knew when the deplorables. I can't even remember now how many weeks we had of the deplorables in the news cycle. The, the comment prior to the election was that like 
weeks before the election that the deplorables come? Or was it months? It I was months. It, it was, was months. Um, yeah. We had a long time I to hear that. I don't remember the exact date of it, but it Donald was... Donald Trump um, wasn't the only one making questionable statements tonight. Listen to Secretary Clinton at a fundraiser here in New York. This was... Um, it was a fundraiser. Be yeah. grossly generalistic. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> oh. Right? Mm. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Oh, I remember this now. Islamophobic, <laughs> you name it. But that other basket. I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess I didn't. I, maybe that wasn't in the afternoon. Apparently it was in the evening. Time. I don't know. But I, I remember listening to it in my car and hearing her say that and thinking to myself, man, she's, she's a witch. She's a horrible person, really. And I'd never heard, I remember the next day, because I said I, I, I had never heard up until that point any American politician attack voters or supporters of another f- politician. I'd never heard that ever. And I, don't, and I don't think there's ever been a time in American history where an American candidate, at least for president, has ever openly attacked supporters of their opponent, ever. And at that point, I knew that, that, that these people all would be showing up at the polls. So you knew she was going to lose at that point? At that much. point, because I knew that she, had, she, she was so reprehensible and vile at that point and made herself so mm-hmm. that there was no way that there's no way that there was that the that the if if they weren't if they were on the fence about supporting President Trump at that point, uh they were they absolutely were on board after she said that. Mm-hmm. I was still believing that there was some leftover remnants of the Obama machine that which which I believe rigged I mean I'm not I, I'm not a controversy, you know, whatever conspiracy guy, but I think that there was some Foul play in those elections, in both the the two election cycles that he won. I think there was something going on. First one less, but the second one more. I think the, I believe there were still leftover remnants of the Obama machine that she was still using and that she was going to win because of just because. Well, this, and, I, and, and the, the other problem that was made it so menacing, too, was the conservatives out there who were so against Trump that, that I, that's that's where it really bothered that's me to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because I was like, uh-oh, these guys are not going to let this happen. That was my biggest concern is that they weren't going to let him win. And and they almost didn't. I mean, with the deep state and everything else, they they really tried. And then, then I thought in the aftermath, the worst enemies of President Trump, if he got elected, would be Republicans. That was my biggest concern, too, is not only he – I knew he was going to win, but I also was not sure that he was going to be able to get anything done given the proclivities of the Republicans who didn't like him and that they would be the ones that stand, stand his way. And, in fact, they tried – a lot of them did mm-hmm. try – but th- that morning of the election, I knew – you knew just by the what was going on when you started seeing pictures of the lines of people voting. And, and, and I remember Tim Surdyke down in Festus sent me a shot of 
of pe- of Polar traffic jams oh. mm-hmm. of people trying to get to the polls, and at that point you knew that it, that that he was going to win because first of all, there's nobody in Festus voting for Hillary Clinton, right? Uh, and uh, and then you then you saw all these other lines out there in in St. Charles and beyond, and you're like, these people are out here. They're mm-hmm. they're motivated, and they're gonna they're swamping the polls. They're mm-hmm. swamping the polling places. And then, uh, and I'm I'm not sh- quite sure the tweet is still there, but it was uh, it was November eighth, and it was about. So I noticed at about one o'clock, two o'clock that vicinity. The news media was very quiet. Like everything, everything was around that time was very quiet. Like you didn't have, you had people on the air at Fox and everything else, and people were just kind of like, "Well, we're just waiting for the waiting for the polls First to close." To uh, right. Voter turnouts are pretty high, and you know there wasn't like the, the gone was the the no path to victory stuff that they kept on babbling about electoral incessantly. college stuff right yeah mm-hmm. and then and then it was uh and I, and I tweeted it out in fact i tweeted it was one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon and i actually made it i t- did a tweet on november 8th i think twitter now is is erasing tweets after 90 days <clears throat> they are okay can't go back that far yeah um, which is uh, not going to save the people I'm going to be going after, by the way. <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Right. Mm. So uh, anyway, this tweet came out, and I put the tweet out, and I said, things are, I said, I noticed that things are very, very, I, I noticed the media isn't talking a whole lot right now. Because at that point, by then, I was like, there's no way he's going to lose this one. This is, there's too many people voting right now, and they're all the right people. Mm-hmm. And and it's not going to happen. Then I went to then be, in preparation for the evening time. You know, I took a little bit of a break, did the TV show preparation for the evening time. I just went to the gym. It was and this was about seven o'clock, and I was watching the TVs up up in front of the gym equipment stuff, and I was watching and I noticed that the news media, like for instance, Trump was with with fifty percent of the vote in or more. Mm-hmm. Trump was winning, like, for instance, Alabama. And, like, CBS wasn't calling Alabama for Trump. And when it was obvious, it was clear he was winning Alabama. But they went to another state where 0% of the vote was in, and they gave it to Hillary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so they, would, they, would, they would call a state for Hillary with 0% reporting. And yet Alabama, with 50% of the vote in, whatever, was like, you know, they still wouldn't call the states for President Trump. Right. And what they were trying to do, because they knew, because these guys all did exit polling, and and they knew by by noon or one that President Trump was going to be, that was, was Donald Trump was going to be President of the United States. They, most of them knew by that time that there was not a chance in hell he was going to lose this. Because of the exit polling, and then, but, but then, but they. So what they did was they tried to suppress the vote on the West Coast, right? By by making it look like Hillary was on her path to victory, so they wouldn't call the states for. And I, I, I remember watching this on TV, saying, "Why are these states that have like fifty percent in are not being called for Trump, and yet zero percent reporting they're calling for Hillary?" Trying to get Trump people to stay home, yeah. 
on the, as the because sun it, goes. there was the, the, right. they, they were trying mm-hmm. to fulfill the no path to that's victory thing. Egregious. That's outrageous. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it's too bad we don't have. I wish I had. And there's probably archival tape somewhere out there uh, to 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 get a hold of that shows all that. But they were clearly you could t- I could tell. I was like, I wonder. That's weird how they're calling all these states for Hillary with nothing, no reporting done, zero uh, percent reporting, and then Trump is mm-hmm. clearly winning these, and they're not giving him the states. Mm-hmm. Then, um, then, then you saw. Then it was about. By about eight thirty, nine o'clock, we were at, I can't remember where it was, one of the hotels, Frontenac Hilton or something, where the Republican Party was. And, the, uh, and I remember Jim Talent was there. And the, I should have, I was going to talk to him today, I forgot. But the, Jim Talent was there and some of the, everybody else. And, and suddenly the New York Times came out with a, uh, some kind of uh, graphic uh, projection. Projection. Oh, okay. It, it was a voter voter graphic. It was it was tracking exit polls or tracking something. But the New York Times came out. It was about nine o'clock in the evening, and the New York Times basically said, "This is it's going to be President Trump." There's almost little doubt about it at this point. And it was like, I remember these guys were all running around showing this graphic that the Times came out with, the New York Times came out with. And by then, it was abundantly clear. Start drinking. going to win. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was, it was pretty totally. amazing. Right. It was pretty amazing. I bet. And then, and, and then you had, uh, then later on in the evening, you had the Megyn Kelly, uh, what's his face? They, one of the anchor guys. He's on Midday at, at Fox. Um I don't remember his name. Really boring guy. What's his name? I'm trying to remember because I haven't watched you know Fox in so about. long. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, he's real annoying. I know exactly. He does what the he does the uh-huh. midday thing there. Yeah, but anyway, he he uh, he what was, was Shepard Smith doing at the time. I think he was. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to go back to the. Well, I'd like to see some of that footage and enjoy that all. They should make a nice documentary for us to all watch and just enjoy again the whole moment of how well, it you all can, went down. Well, you actually can go. They do have, if you go to YouTube or something, mm-hmm. they do have a bunch of tapes mm-hmm. of, Meltdowns. Of, the, of, of, the, of the news media just going crazy <laughs> and unable to, uh, unable to tolerate it, and, the, and they, they looked ashen-faced. <laughs> It was great. Here, let me just. I loved when they cut to the Hillary uh, party, the Hillary Center, or whatever they were going to have their big victory party, and, and there yeah. was like nobody there. It was really, it was sad. Uh, but beautiful. Yeah, they were, and, and yeah, they were just stunned. And my one of my favorite videos that never gets old, uh, are watching these this group of of people crying. Mm. I, that was that was really good. I love watching that. <laughs> it warmed the, it warmed the heart. Mm-hmm. No, but it, it's it's a somebody people keep passing it around, and these people are are weeping, and it's just it's mm. just crazy. So anyway, but that so a a, white lash around against- around ten o'clock or so, then you had the the news media, and you had Megyn Kelly up there with that guy, and she was standing there. And they were 
they were they were trying she was trying to find votes like i think in wisconsin and he kept on she was kept on making him stab his finger on the map to find some more votes and he couldn't he kept stabbing all over michigan or all over wisconsin that little bill something graphic his last name. yeah bill, bill hemmer that's it and 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 she was like are you sure blah 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 mm-hmm. he's like well let's see and he stabs his finger on wisconsin there's like nothing there and this precinct down there is mm-hmm. Trump and and Megyn Kelly looks like mm-hmm. looked like somebody was just eviscerating a puppy in front of her. She was going crazy. And then they would then they wouldn't then they just wouldn't call the election for him until like mm-hmm. two or three in the morning, right? When yep. it was pr- fairly clear he was he was going to win, they wouldn't do it until I, th- I think they finally called it at about two or three in the morning. It was definitely late because we stayed up, and we already knew because we could see the results. But then, of course, the popular vote discussion started coming up immediately. The popular vote, popular mm-hmm. vote. It's like, fortunately, uh, that's just Google. Not- I've listened to Chris Matthews over at MSNBC cry out in the name of the <laughs> Lord Jesus after he finds out that Hillary Clinton may very well lose the presidency to Donald Trump. If he wins New Hampshire, you get four out of New Hampshire, he'd be sitting there at 260. And then again, you take a look at what's left on this map, and you would need, excuse me, you would need Wisconsin. Wisconsin would put him over. Wisconsin would put him at 270 at that He point. already has Wisconsin. Jeez. Look, do you hear that? Right. He said it twice. The math is getting easier to do. Wisconsin would put him over. Wisconsin would put him at 270 at that point. Jeez. Jeez. Right. Jeez. <laughs> That's Chris Matthews. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Unbelievable. And they, they were and, and actually uh, that that's a Mark Dice bit, and he actually said even at that time he had already won Wisconsin. They just wouldn't right, they wouldn't they weren't they, they just weren't able to tolerate it. They were just trying to just manufacture something that wasn't there. They were just going crazy. Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right uh, now, Donald Trump. Coulter. <laughs> Remember that. Bill Barr show or something. All of Bill Maher's people laughing oh, and howling. Yeah. yeah, she took a lot chance of, of winning the general right. election. Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. And in South Carolina. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. The debate isn't about, so when we're analyzing this, the debate is never about can Trump win the election. The standard has now been reduced to can Trump make it through the next four weeks without getting removed from the ticket. Two, the top two right now that have the, have the best shot. Uh, three. Three. Uh, Bush, Christie, Rubio. <laughs> Christie. Dumbass Carl Rowe. Alphabetical order. Was that Rowe? 100% chance of winning. So that means <laughs> that, means that no scenario that we could lay out to get Donald Trump to 270 electoral votes. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen. And predicted about a month ago that Donald Trump could actually, if you look at the industrial Midwest, a lot of work, Donald Trump could actually win the general election. That prediction is pulled off the table for me. But here's the thing. Over 60% of Republicans 
That's Carly Fiorina, who I like, mm. but she was a big Ted Cruz supporter. But she was trying to trying to avoid reality. Going to vote too. for Donald Trump, and what we know from the polling data, it percent of Republican percent of Republican is pulled off the table for me. But here's the thing: over sixty percent of Republicans aren't going to vote for Donald Trump. And what we know from the polling data is that the more they learn about him, the less they like him. And <laughs> that was absolutely false. Totally it was false. the other way around. That was. In other words, late deciding voters aren't deciding for Donald Trump. Yeah, I think the party, if, if either Trump or Cruz is the nominee, we, we probably lose. Definitely that's the case with Trump. Well, now Mr. Bush says if Trump does win the party's nomination, he claims he won't stand a chance against Hillary Clinton. Trump, I don't believe, uh, is going to be the party's nominee. And if he is, he's going to get crushed by Hillary Clinton. And I wanted to point that out. <laughs> this guy's a joke. No, because you, you're basically the product matters here. And he's a flawed product. I mean, that's, again, where my confidence comes in. This guy, in my view, is not going to be elected right. president. Okay. And he's got a ceiling. And okay. your basic argument is that the premise here... He's not going to win all four of those states. No, That's what you're saying. no. Yeah, I think she's going to win all four. Well, I can't find a single Republican. I talked to probably 12 Republican senators yesterday or, or their rep Bob Schieffer. representatives. Uh, I couldn't find a single one who now thinks they're going to win. They were think, saying things like, look, we, we realized a couple of weeks ago that, you know, that we were, we were not going to win, but now we may win by, we may lose by historic proportions. I mean, <laughs> something that will, uh, one person said to me yesterday that could affect the Republican Party for generations to come. I'm not sure the Republican Party is going to survive. It's Bob Schieffer. Where is he now? <clears throat> Haven't heard his name in a long time. I remember seeing an outtake of Bob Schieffer, and uh, I never I, he he was like picking his nose. And every time I see him now, I just see him picking his nose. Well, I make of it the fact that uh, that Mr. Trump is a serious candidate for the Republican nomination is so. Stupendously, incredibly idiotic. <laughs> I can't even get my hands around it. Ben Stein, who I normally like, I my head this. around it. Uh, why on earth? Why on earth would we be considering him as a serious president of well, no. This guy is just a clown. And I think one of the dangers here, I don't even know as if the media coverage is going to be that much of a danger because all of the coverage has been mocking. Uh, I think the real danger is, you know, Trump is going to be up on that debate stage. He's going to make any cut because his poll numbers will be high enough to get him up there. And, and that just kind of makes a mockery of the whole process for the <laughs> These people, a lot of them are still around, and a lot of them are even still analysts on Fox News, uh, which is where I paid most of my attention to, like Chris Steyerwald, who consistently said, and he and Dana Perino would get together, Dana Perino and her dumb, dumb dog Jasper, I always want to make sure I point that out. They would all get together, and they would talk about how there's impossible that President Trump would win. There's no way he's going to win, and there's no path to victory. Steyerwalt would sometimes fill in for, uh, for Brian Kilmeade, and he would talk to, down. These Trump supporters would call up, and he'd talk down to them and talk about how misguided they are and everything else. And, uh, and, and so 
but he's still around. I mean, I don't know how people still listen to these individuals with any degree of credibility whatsoever. Sterwatt was on a trajectory of powerful positioning the way that Tucker has been able to do. I think Sterwatt was on that same path, and I do think that even though he's still around, the damage is done because a lot of us who know about him, uh, we understand that he's... He, we we remember when he yeah. did that. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. We, we're not going to forget that. And I just want to say that last segment he did with you on the old school setup. Yeah, one of my favorite things I've ever heard on your show ever. I mean, I was about to wreck my car. I was laughing so hard when you guys when he just went. I don't know what his problem was. He woke up and didn't had a bad bowl of cereal or something. He came on grumpy, and you know he was just being a total ass to you. And you know, I'm, I don't want I don't want to talk to you anymore or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, we were about to crash the car. I was laughing so hard. Because I know about him, and I and I know he's he is a never Trumper. You're never going to yep. get rid of that. No, Goldberg. Not, n- none of you guys are going to get rid of that. With some of us, at least, you were. You clamped down on it. You own it. Yeah, it forever. I don't care. You're never going to get to reap the real benefits of this presidency of what, what's happening in this country right now. You were a naysayer, and you put us down, and him especially because he considers himself a, a polymath intellect, and he he loves to berate us with his thesaurus. Right. You know. Right. And, and I'll have it. I don't have it. Well, and even um, who's the guy on now at Fox News? The Jason Shavitz or Shaf? Yeah, what's his name? Is it Jake? Shavitz? Shavitz, the the yeah. former um, congressman. Yeah. Yesterday, I'm listening to him talk about how great President Trump is, and I'm like, dude, you were the one who made this big ass speech when the Billy Bush tape came out. Oh. About how you were no longer, you couldn't support President Trump anymore. And you've got daughters, and you're this, and you're that, and you couldn't pr- support him anymore. And you basically just bailed on him. And now suddenly you're just like singing his praises. And I realize people's attitudes can change, and I welcome that. I like it when you change your mind. But don't think I don't remember when you were among those people who basically tried to derail He tried to derail. Candidacy. He wanted to start a wave against him, and he was supposed to be the the – the, the respectable voice yeah, of a right. reason, and, and let's all get on this train against him. Yeah. That Billy Bush proved to me that there was a chance that Trump was going to win because I figured if the women of America were going to let that slide, yeah. which they clearly were going to do, that I was optimistic, but I still wasn't as sure as you were. Yeah, yeah. But I, that was a good day when I realized that wasn't going to get the traction. I thought it was almost over what the media was going to do with that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was audio, it was real. He, he didn't even deny that he said it. Right, but, right. But no, Chaffetz didn't get his didn't get what he wanted. Yeah, that would have been a turning point for the whole game if he would have gotten steam behind him after that speech. The but, daughters thing, I remember it now. I remember that. Yeah, no, that's funny. I mean, I mean, he went up there and he made a big his, mm-hmm. you know. And then you had you had Romney with his big speech. I mean, these people, and, and the more they freaked out about the Trump's candidacy, the more I was convinced he was going to win because otherwise they wouldn't be free. I mean, it, it was it's just, you know, it it doesn't take much of a study of human nature to know that when you are that crazy opposed to something and you're, and you're, you're, and you're just going and you're driving yourself nuts and and going beyond the pale crazy about the possibility of something happening, you're actually just, you know, it's going to happen. You're just afraid it is. So you're doing everything you can to kind of stop it, which is what Romney was all about, and 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 I, I also, by the way, the, the the other people who were really problematic were the guys over at Red State, and Eric Erickson is still doing, and Ben Shapiro's back to his old tricks as well in the wake of the North Korean thing, and they maintain that if had Obama met with Kim Jong Un, 
he would be seen as a turncoat and anti-American, whatever. And I, I went back and I, I tried to honestly assess whether or not that would be true for me, because I could only think about whether what I would say about it. And to tell you the truth, if, if Obama had met with Kim Jong-un, I would not have, I was never, uh, like when, when, when Obama uh, uh, normalized Cuba and everything else, I was fully in support of that. I'm one of the few conservatives who were, because a lot of people were going, Cuba is communist and they're foreign policy and they're just going to grab people's money once they make it, so capitalism will never work there. I was like, yeah, well, maybe it will. You know, who knows? Uh, but I was, I was all for normalizing relations with Cuba. And so I could honestly say that had Obama met with Kim Jong-un or made this happen, although he would, it was never a possibility he would, I don't think I would have been critical of him. Would you have? No, and you, I know you wouldn't have been. And I, I never really got, quite got the understanding. I'm not old enough or smart enough to know why we don't engage in, in debates and conversations with hostile nations as a part of our diplomacy. I don't quite understand the mandate and the absolutism of that. So I would have been for anybody. I'm for anybody talking to anybody. I really don't have a, even if I don't really have a problem with it in general, just the whole idea of our president going to talk to some despotic leader and it's, it's a bad, it's bad on the America, whatever. I don't quite understand it. So I didn't mind when he went to Cuba. I thought they were going to turn Cuba into like a big resort for Floridians. But that's I wanted to put a I right. wanted to put a casino down there. Yeah, right, that's what. Yeah, but but no. If Obama had done it, I wouldn't have had a problem with it at all. In fact, I probably would have been a little bit upset, jealous because yeah. this guy I don't really like is about to get credit for yeah, freaking world good. peace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I, I'm, but but these guys and that like Eric Erickson was talking about how uh, he did an article and and of course this this this. Uh, Website called Hot Air. I don't know if you've been there before. They're all a bunch of never Trump people. Oh, yeah. Um, They love to reprint Eric Erickson bits. Um, And Eric Erickson was the one, I think a long time ago, he used, he he was like kind of uh, roundly criticized for some, calling some woman some some horrible name. But anyway, He's saying that the Republican Party can no longer where, – where, where, where is there a place for a conservative these days, a real conservative? And you know, I would only say that you guys keep talking like that, but you never really say what a conservative is. Like you, you never really – you never really – do we even know what a conservative is now? Uh, and, and is a conservative a person who supports globalist trade policies? Because because we've been told that George W. Bush is a conservative, we've been told that Mitt Romney is a conservative, we've been told that Paul Ryan is a conservative, but how do conservatives support globalist trade policies that are clearly imbalanced and put the American worker out of work? I mean, I don't understand how that is conservative. Great point. That's a great point. I'd love to have Eric answer that. Just that question right there. What is a conservative? Is it Buckley? We're talking about a Buckley conservative? Like, what are we talking about? Well, because they they would say free market. Well, Mm -hmm. because our trade policy, it's about the free market. It's like, well, no, it's really not. It's not a free market when you have trade deals that put you at a disadvantage. It's not a free market at all. I don't know. I don't know how they they keep saying that that's a that's not a free market market idea. It's not a free market, and it's not free trade when you are when you're the ones who are 
singled out and you're making deals where you're at a disadvantage. It's just this, and, and, and regulating commerce, by the way, is one of the enumerated powers of the, uh, in the Constitution of the federal government. I mean, it, it's, it, these guys were, especially our founding fathers, were constantly regulating trade. We're constantly mixed up in, in trade and, and, and involved in that. So it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that the federal government would be involved, and namely the, the President of the United States would be involved in reworking trade deals and that kind of thing, because free trade is a falsity that's been put on us for the past 25 years because it's not free at all. Uh, and and is, it, is, it, is it conservative to invade other countries and, and change a regime? Because, because I, we were told that GW is a conservative and that Lindsey Graham's a conservative and that John McCain's a conservative. They're hawks. And, and, mm-hmm. and yet they invaded other countries to topple the regime and, in fact, would do more had they not been stopped. They, McCain wanted to go into Syria, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And, and is that conservative? Because because I never knew that to be a conservative ideal. But apparently, it is if you base it on who people called conservatives in the past. Globalism. Yeah, I mean, I, so when people talk about what a conservative is, I don't think we really know. And and that's and that's why I think it's okay for us to finally have said, you know what, we don't know even what a Republican is these days. We don't know what a conservative is these days, but we see a guy who, issue by issue, I agree with. So uh, do I agree with President Trump on the omnibus spending bill? No, I did not, but he didn't. He wasn't the one who crafted it. Uh, do I agree with him on immigration? Yeah. Do I agree with him on uh, even, like, for instance, imagine what's happened when, how people freaked out when he ended the war games. Over in South oh, Korea, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so we constantly 